fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to Hey everybody and welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. Paving your way and acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, excellence, and titles and all that good stuff. A lot has happened since the last time I was on the air with the Wolf. It's, I mean, it's been a long time. Since that time, and I never thought I would utter this sentence before. Since the last time we went on the air together, we've both been to Alaska and we've both had COVID. Not together. <laughs> Not together. We did those things independently. Also, why do we have a banner on our screen talking about Paris Campbell all through the intro? That's what I want to know. That's what the people want to know. I'm your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself, who, like I said, it's been a while, and it it hasn't been uneventful. There's been stuff going on, both football-wise and personally for both of us. But how you doing, man? Hey, doing all right. You know, no COVID-19 list here. Uh, There's no days off, even when you have it. So, Ready to power through. Like you said, it's been almost a month since we've been on. Training camp's been open for about two weeks. And there have just been huge stories after huge stories, keeping in line with the theme of this season. And I figured this is kind of the time of year where people start getting back into it. This is where I started getting the phone buzzing from people I might not have heard from for the 11 other months of the year. Oh, hey, how are you doing, Wolf? It's been a minute. Let's catch up. Everything's good? I hope so. Let me ask you a million questions. And I don't mind it. I mean, that's why I do this whole thing. I think it's great. When uh, you become the most wanted man in America because of your one month of the year. And I I figure this would be a good way because, you know, people that haven't been here in a while are going to start listening. Let's hit them with all the news we can that's been hitting these last couple of weeks for the people that have not been tracking it day to day like we have. That's kind of the goal of this show. We got 36. It says 35. I know. It's a lie. It's 35. Added 36 there. So. Me and you can always riff on a few. There's definitely a couple that will need more attention than others, such as ACL tears and things of that that have already happened. But there's going to be a few of these that just like you'll read the headline and I'll say, yep, I downgraded him. And we won't really have to go much further than that. But, yeah, we'll we'll see how honest you're being about that. We, um, you know, we got the Hall of Fame game coming up at eight o'clock. And I got to say something. In general, if you said, how could you be more excited about a Jaguars preseason football game? I would say Paul Lawrence and Etienne. I don't want to see them. I want to see the Jaguars in the preseason without the only two people I could possibly ever give a shit about. On the team. <laughs> so anyway, that's what's going on. Eight o'clock. We're going to try to end around eight. We're not going to take it quite as seriously as we would for a like playoff game or something like that. But that's going to be where we're going to try to land things. Uh, give us a like. Give us a subscribe if you haven't done that. Um, we definitely love it. And, and give us some comments, too. We're definitely going to try to answer as many as we can at the end, unless we just go crazy over. But you know us. We usually try to get to them. We're going to get right into these 35 or maybe 36, depending on uh, who you talk to, uh, stories that have been going on in training camp updates. And we're going to lead off, why not, with Deshaun Watson. Six-game suspension handed down by Judge Sue L. Robinson. And in the writing for this, uh, one of the stipulations, which I love, is that Watson shall not receive massages other than directed by club personnel and shall not have adverse involvement with law enforcement. So really laying the hammer down there. NFL says no. They're appealing this. I don't even understand how this works exactly, but they're appealing it. It sounds like they want indefinite, uh, you know, at least a year. So this is still in limbo, obviously. 
Absolutely. And what I've read about it is pretty much at this point, what Goodell says is what's going to happen. So I don't know why they went through this whole arbitration. So who's he appealing to? Uh, Exactly. You know, you have this person come in, she gives you the ruling, whether you think it's fair or not, you know, I, I, we can all speculate on that. I think six games was definitely way too light, uh, but we're not here for that. Fantasy wise, you think you have him now for 10 games and then boom, they, they come in with the hammer. My expectation, the way I'm going to kind of go through it this year is I don't think he's playing this year. I think they really yeah. want him out for the year. And it sounds like you can't really appeal it from this point on. Even the players association couldn't take it another step further, even if they wanted to. And the way I treat all the Browns at this point, including those big name backs is if Watson's not in, I don't want him. I hate this team without Watson. If he is in for any part of the season, whatever games he plays, I love all the weapons. Donovan People Jones getting deep with that great deep arm. Cooper getting the first, you know, just the number one target hog role he hasn't had in quite a few years would be a monster. David Njoku could finally reach his ceiling, but that's all speculative. Nick Chubb averaging three more points in wins than losses, certainly going to be in a lot less likely of winning scripts with Jacoby Brissett. Just everything is going to be disgusting with Jacoby Brissett. So the summary to it for me is if Watson's not on the field, I don't want any Browns. I'm going to be well below the ECR, the ADPs. There's really none I want to target, even a talent as good as Nick Chubb. If you listen to last night's episode with Scott Barry, he talked a lot about his stats and his splits and wins and losses and how much of a boost it would be to have Watson and how horrible it would be to not have him. I've dropped him to like 35 to 40 overall at this point. No interest. No thank you. Uh, agree with you completely. And I also agree with you. If I had to bet, I'll bet he doesn't play this year. What I just don't understand is who is Goodell appealing to? It really literally seems like he's appealing to himself. Yeah. If, if you knew you like, do this the whole time, why didn't you just do it? Like, right. <laughs> I think he was hoping somebody else would do it. And so he wouldn't have to be the bad yeah. guy. Although if you're going to be the bad guy, it might as well be about something like this. Do it. Right. Anyway. I mean, right. You know, like it's, right. more, you know, as much as I like to give you shit about like deflating footballs and stuff like that. I mean, I'd much rather someone brings the hammer for something like this than that. Exactly. Anyway. And, and it would have looked way better. Cause that's a really good point. Like Ray Rice getting two games when he's on video clocking, you know, like there's just no consistency to any of this. The, inflated no, I, football you said calvin ridley gone for a year because he bet on his own team like Josh gordon's just, missed like no six position. years because of smoking weed anyway. exactly yeah so <laughs> a mess a mess i mean he, does he deserve the full season yes i just want it to be done with i just want to know so i don't have to keep like i bumped out of the people's jones up 30 spots and then i take him off my big board all together every other day i, I just want it to be done God, you, have all so much, know, you have I, so I, much I'm, donovan yeah. people's jones stock too which is the same yeah, i got way too much <laughs> all right let's talk about the other suspension looming or maybe not alvin kamara uh felony battery resulting in substantial bodily harm not just like a little bit of bodily harm and conspiracy to commit battery sounds like they really piled the charges on um, it got it might get postponed again, which would be the fourth time it'd be postponed. If that happens, the hearing will not take place until we're like maybe a month, month and a half into the regular season. So you could see him maybe not taking a hit for this, at least playing time wise, uh, until maybe next year. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, 60 more days till it's going to be heard again. I think the only real risk that I've been reading about is if a video leaks and there is video footage of it, <laughs> then it could just automatically come down on him. The other risk, of course, too, is if they have this hearing in 60 days, it's midseason and they suddenly decide, all right, we're going to suspend him for the most valuable part of the season. You'd almost rather if the suspension's coming, you want it at the beginning of the year. It's far less valuable to have somebody at the beginning than it is during your playoff push. Obviously, you need someone to get there, all that stuff. But most people at this point are assuming there's about an 80 to 90% chance nothing comes of this till 2023. 
if anything does at that point. But if a video leaks, we could be in trouble. I'm going <laughs> under the assumption that there is no suspension, in which case I have Kamara all the way now up to running back six, right on the fringe of my first round. He's been falling to round three in drafts. Nowadays, he's kind of going at the tail end of two. But even there, I think he is still an absolute steal. And we talked about this with Scott last night. If you want the more in-depth version of this, please go listen to that podcast. Two and a half hours on the top 20 running backs. Yeah. One of the better shows I think we, we've ever recorded. He's always a phenomenal guest. Uh, check that out. But he actually had Kamara all the way up at three. And the, the big you know, argument in his case is even if he does miss six games, if you have Ingram, you're getting kind of B minus Kamara. You're getting about 15 to 20 points just on the roll alone, even though he is 32 unexciting. He was the least efficient back in football last year, but he still got 15 to 20 points in his starts. So there's that rub. You kind of have that security blanket, but we're all kind of assuming he's in at this point for the rest of the season, in which case I'm treating it like Alvin Kamara, the running back four when Jameis Winston was out there in a shitstorm offense. You move these new talents now in there. He gets right back to the most efficient player in football, potentially with a better workload. I have no complaints about Kamara unless somehow he does get suspended about this. And again, this is so stupid. You're right. But you're saying, oh, if a video comes out, it might be worse. And that's the same thing that happened with Ray Rice. They're like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Then a video of it that they already knew existed came out. And then they're like, oh, like he should never play football again. And it's like, like if the guy did something <laughs> terrible, then do something to him. Like, you know, and if he didn't, then leave it alone. It's, right. like, it's so dumb that it should hinge on that. It's all about pu- public image, man. Ugh. Completely. All right. Let's talk new deals. Uh, new Bucks receiving core is going to include Julio Jones, maybe the corpse of Julio Jones, maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. And Kyle Rudolph, who I sneaky kind of think is a is a good pickup for the Bucks, and also Chris Godwin is not going to be. You all right over there, Wolf? Looks like yes, just, uh, yeah. Stan just fell over, but no, we're good. <laughs> Chris Godwin will not be on the pup list to start the season, so that's good news. Uh, seems yeah. like a pretty crowded receiving core, right? I mean, you got Evans, you got Godwin, you got Julio Jones, you got Russell Gage. Uh, who else? I mean, I don't know. I might even be forgetting some guys. And then a tight end, of course. A lot of, a lot of mouths to feed over there. Don't you think somebody's going to like overreach on Julio Jones in your draft? I think everybody's going to overreach on Julio Jones. If not this guy. Uh, yeah, not, <laughs> not me. Exactly. Anybody who drafts him is probably going to be overreaching on him. Now, have we seen players of Julio's age go reunite with like a or unite with a, a great quarterback and then blow up? Yet yeah, Terrell Owens is a great example of that. He had one of his best years of his career at the age that Julio Jones is. But I just do not see that happening because T.O. walked into the situation where he was clearly the top guy. If Julio magically became Julio again, then maybe, yeah, maybe. But I I don't see that happening. I didn't see that from Julio. I haven't seen it from Julio in a couple years. So to me, he's at best third on the target totem pole. I really think it's fourth when everybody's in and healthy. So the only time I see him being all that viable is when Godwin's out. They're saying now because he missed the PUP, probably not going to play your first week, maybe not the second, but they're thinking – latest is early October. So four weeks at most, you miss him. I love that news for Godwin. I think it makes him much more viable at his price tag. And it just makes very little situation to me where Julio Jones is going to have a role. Cause I write, I really like Russell Gage. They really like Russell Gage, the, the you know younger player, the player they're giving far more money to the guy that's unguardable in camp right now. I do. I, I bumped him down pretty big too, though, because with these guys all here, it's just, it's kind of messy. It's just a mess. Other than Evans and Godwin, we know what those guys are going to do. I did even bump down Evans a little bit. I had him at 12 uh, overall wide receiver four. He fell to wide receiver like six 
20th overall, a great second round pick still. I still think he's going to be a touchdown monster. But I mean, he was at the point where he averaged over a touchdown a game without Godwin. Now that we know Godwin's going to be there for most of the season, that does put a damper on that. Now that I we still know like who, Evans, though. I still love Evans. Yeah. I mean, that's how I rank him. Evans, then Godwin, the wide receiver, six in points per game last year. I, I think he's a great value. I have him 10 spots higher than his ECR. Obviously, it's, it helps if you have two to three great receivers already and then you can take him and, and kind of be patient with it but you know he's a guy that's very easy to be patient for uh, in this offense and I just think it buoys all of this is you know a little bit congested I, I don't like the third options in, in Russell Gage or Julio Jones now but it does buoy Tom Brady that much more to know that he has these type of weapons around him and that it, no matter how long Godwin's out he's still going to have some good ones they are featuring Julio it says early and often uh, in camp right now. So, you know, maybe just maybe he has some good games, but I'm not buying into it. I haven't drafted him since he went there. His ADP is like 120, 130, and they're just younger, more exciting guys with more prominent roles, in my opinion. You did say you like Kyle Rudolph, right? <laughs> kind of, for some reason, sneaky like him, yeah. Yeah, breakout tight ends are typically related to high uh, ADP quarterbacks. A big study by J.J. Zacharyson I listened to recently and he just screams to me like that type of guy I don't think he's going to get more than 50 60 total targets but I think almost all the targets he gets are going to be in the red zone a big six five body good control over it dependable like he does feel just kind of like a Brady guy he'll be where he's supposed yeah. to be he's not going to do anything overly sexy other than score like eight touchdowns and so in I was going to say like, eight touchdowns that's what I yeah, was like. like I could see him getting 50 60 targets but scoring eight touchdowns exactly uh I mean he's already been making some crazy one-handed highlight plays too so it's not like he's got that frame that could really take advantage of a pinpoint passer like Tom Brady and we know they've loved involving the tight ends in the past I was talking about this I forget who it was the other day but we're talking like we almost prefer Rudolph to Julio Jones as nuts as that sounds. I do. But like you just know what the role is going to be. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't have really any interest in Julio where he's going at this point, uh, but I am interested in everybody else there a, a little bit less so on gauge at this point. I think it is a pretty yeah. tough hit to him too. All right. Contracts that have been re-signed Debo Samuel and Deontay Johnson have re-signed Debo to a three-year, almost $72 million extension. And Deontay Johnson to a two-year, $36, $37 million contract for 2024. Great news for both of their teams. Absolutely. And for us, just so we know there's no yeah. holdouts at this point. They were both kind of holding in. I always respect a hold-in more than a holdout. They were around their teammates, but phantom kind of injuries and just not really playing. It's great to get them back on the field, get going again. Two of my top 12 uh, fringe guy for Deontay Johnson, obviously. Debo's right in there. What I really like about Debo's contract is – they put incentives for the rushing workload, and he's come out and said it was a non-story. People were making it up that he didn't want to be a running back. He says he loves the term being a wide back. He loves getting the ball as much as he can, and now they have incentives for every amount of carries he gets can get bumped up to about $3 million more in his contract. So uh, ultimately, I love that. I love that role for him. It makes him feel a little bit more secure there in the middle of round two. I don't think he's going to be quite as good as he was last year in a, a more run-heavy attack with Ayuk now thriving in camp too. But yeah. I still do love – Debo's just a baller. As efficient as he was last year, like he might not carry it that much onward, but a baller's a baller. I still think he's going to go crazy. And I really like Deontay Johnson, wide receiver eight last year, often falling around five, everybody acting like the corpse of Big Ben was the reason he was so good. 
he's so good because he's so good. He gets so yeah. open. He's going to be whoever's the quarterback's best friend. And that's just that role. Like Antonio Brown was fed for years, 160 plus targets in all but one season since Mike Tomlin took over uh, in 2013. It's just, uh, yeah, of course, Antonio Brown commands that share, but we've seen it for Deontay Johnson too. He really just separates with ease. He's like an AB light. And, and that role is something I always will like no matter who the quarterback is. So if he's falling around five, I will be gobbling that up every single time, especially now that we know he's playing. Um, I saw somewhere, I can't remember where, that Mitch Trubisky went like 0 for 14 in a scrimmage. We'll be talking about that. (laughs) Number 13 on the list. Okay, cool. Um, There's a ton of Broncos news here, but none of it is too major with the exception of the fact that Tim Patrick tore his ACL and he's done for the year. That's too bad, huh? Brutal. Um, And, uh, you know, Poor one out for him, a great hard worker, just a guy who's really earned everything he's got on the NFL. You hate to see it from a real-life perspective. and then you, I, I always hate to be that guy, but from a fantasy perspective, it is technically a positive because now this aerial pie, which we know is going to be delicious, is now condensed to a lot fewer mouths. And what's that going to look like? Well, what's the aerial pie going to look like? We can kind of start with that. I've been loving all the reports I've seen on this up-tempo, up to Russell Wilson. We want to craft everything around him. They said they studied those five games. I remember we would talk about this a ton. The beginning of 2020, when he went bananas, uh, the Seahawks were finally, quote-unquote, letting Russ cook. He was on pace for 5,100 yards, 65 touchdowns, 32 fantasy points per game over those five games. And that's what Hackett said. I, when I went back to watch film, I zoned in on those five games. I said, this guy is going nuts. He said, phew, we will be throwing that thing downfield. Uh, we will be letting him dictate the pace. So if, if, that, if that means we're getting that offense all year, like it could be insane. So we could have a, a sexy, sexy aerial pie with really only three main four, maybe four mouths to feed. Of course, Cortland Sutton at the top. I love him. I bumped him up to 29 overall. Now at this point, I've always thought he's going to be the number one there. And now it's just like even a, another, you know, potential pest taken away there. I, if Judy's going to break out, it's going to be this year. You got the quarterback, you have the role, you have no excuse for a lack of motivation or any of that nature. I am a little bit lower on him because he always seems to have something nagging and there's always a work ethic concern. And he's, he's already a little unimpressive in, in certain camp reports that I've been reading. So it's still just such a great opportunity for a guy that did lead the NFL in separation per route last year. Uh, so he can really get open and, and obviously Russell could deliver it. But I'm much higher on on Sutton again, 29 versus 55. Certainly a gap that's a lot closer for most people. But the other guy that I really, really like if he can stay healthy, and that's been the big if his whole career, KJ Hamler, 4-3-2 speed. I mean, yeah. an absolute burner in every sense of the word. We know Russell Wilson, you know, top 10 in next-gen NFL stats and deep passing back-to-back years, led the NFL in deep touchdowns just two years ago in that, that span where he was going crazy. And Nathaniel Hackett talked about getting – I can just see moon bomb after moon bomb to all these guys, but especially Handler. So it might be tough to know what week that's going to be, but when we're talking about those best ball formats where it's going to just go for you when you have 132 touchdowns from Handler one random week. It'll be in your lineup, and it's going to be a huge boost to your overall total points. So I really like what he can do. The last guy is Alberto. You know, they, he's talked a lot about now splitting out more wide in camp and practice getting on those linebackers he's too fast and they're they're talking about using that mismatch and maybe going in a little bit more two tight end personnel after they drafted greg dolchitz who now also becomes more viable i mean anybody catching we talked about again 65 potential touchdowns pace anybody that might have a mouth on that pie is worth considering at their respective prices i think they're all undervalued at this point and i'll be going after the broncos very very hard this year 
I see a bunch of people making some comments. Keep them coming. And definitely, if you're willing to hang around for a little while, we're going to hit them all. Um, and Absolutely. good to see you guys here and interacting. Uh, give us a like. Tell people we're on just in case they don't know. Uh, because this is some good stuff. Wolf, I love it. James Washington has suffered a Jones fracture. He's out six to ten weeks. Uh, receiving core looking a little thin behind CD, huh? Although Jerry Jones ain't worried. I, there's no urgency to get a veteran receiver, he says. How is there no urgency here? CD Lamb is literally the only person to catch a touchdown on this team right now at the receiver position. That's crazy. I mean, that is absolutely bananas that nobody else here has ever caught a touchdown. Now, I do really like this rookie, Jalen Tolbert. All the reports are he's showing a good report. He's going to get some work, it seems like. They have no no choice. And speaking of delicious pies, the Cowboys led the NFL in total touchdowns and total yardage last year. They've been top two in passing yardage every year. Dak's been healthy under Kellen Moore. That's two out of the last three years. It's going to be a good attack. It might take a step back when you have no other weapons here to throw to, but – Delamore's a genius. I really like that play caller. So I see Tolbert right. being in a very high volume, high valuable role. He's making great catches in camp every day and earning the trust. Bam. If they're not going to sign anybody else, he's going to have a huge role. Maybe this means Tony Pollard gets forced in that slot role a bit more. They keep hyping it up. They really might not have a choice. I don't know who their slot receiver would be otherwise, which would be good news for Zeke to have Tony Pollard on the field with him. They don't have no, to dude. actually take each other off. I would love that. That would be fantastic. It'd be good for both parties involved. Maybe a little bit of a, a Kamara Ingram type of situation. They have to lean on those bats. Would like to see it. And then, of course, Dalton Schultz, last year's tight end three. Six most targets last year, third most receptions at the position. I mean, they had number two in target accuracy. A great rapport there. you got to imagine Dak's going to heavily lean on this guy. I think he is the tight end steal right now. Even though he goes in round six, I have him projected right around Kittle for output but he goes a whole 10 to 15 picks later. And I love, I mean, who doesn't love Kittle as a player, but I just think for production wise, Schultz is in such a great spot. I got him at pick like 80 in a draft today in a best ball draft. And it blew my mind. I thought that was an absolute steal. I have him ranked at like 55 to get him at 80 was, was amazing. I love how many, him, so. how many best ball drafts are you up to? Would you? Know? I can't say that loud <laughs> because well, I mean, you, when we started doing the big best ball drafts together, I asked you and it was like, I don't know, 25, but that was a long time ago. Oh, it's a, it's a whole lot more than that. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I mean, you were it's in, one, one of those you were in at least just, one today. I'm feeling great about how these teams are coming out. And I, I really think last year I learned from some of the mistakes. And when else am I going to have the chance to just kind of really go all in on it? You know, looking at houses and things like there's, there's going to come a point where I just don't, I'm not saying I'm throwing and just lighting a ton of money on fire to this, but I, I'm putting in more than I ever have. Cause we think about how much we study this and how much we talk about it. I, I got to put true. my money where my mouth is at least one year. Not again, nothing crazy. I'm it's not in our wheelhouse. Anything. I, Hillary's standing in the kitchen. So I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's all, I'll tell you a little bit later. How about yeah, that? All right, we'll talk <laughs> offline sometime. All right. Let's, we're going after it this year, baby. We're going to win that Millie. I'm telling you. All right. I feel great. I mean, yeah. Why not? Uh, Irv Smith, thumb <laughs> surgery. You don't think too much of this, do you? Uh, fucking Irv Smith. I mean, I, of course, Irv so Smith's thumb is hurt. <laughs> yeah, it just pisses me off because there's always something with this guy. The promise is so high. I keep drafting him, keep getting excited about him. And then there's something that pops up. And if and when he does get on the field, he's going to be great. Like he, he truly fits everything this offense needs. They don't have anyone else. Johnny Munt. I think is the next one. I wouldn't be shocked to see Eric Ebron land there or someone like that that's kind of lingering around. And Ebron, if he just stays on the field, could ever even be valuable. I mean, he had 13 touchdowns not too long ago. Know, isn't that crazy? I, yeah. He was the tight end like two that year. It's just insane with the Colts. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Uh, but if if this does happen, if he does, they're saying he's going to be back for week one. His price is going down. So, you know, I might take a few more stabs if his price gets low enough. But it is just annoying. It kind of just want, makes me want to go get a Dalton Schultz, a, a Dawson Knox, one of those guys a little bit earlier. I'm more willing to take an early plunge on them. It bumps up Fryermuth, a few other guys ahead of him. And if he does miss time, I mean, it's only good news for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. KJ Osborne would get that much more targets. Like a condensed aerial pie becomes that much more condensed. That's the Patrick situation. A really good one just gets one pretty decent sized mouth removed. And that can really trickle down in a huge way. So it's certainly something to monitor for both Irv's value. Cause I really do think he could have a great role if he plays, but also everyone else around him would, would take a decent step forward, especially in the red zone where he can do a lot of damage. Van Jefferson knee surgery, not Sure, if he's going to be available for the week one game against Buffalo, that'd be a shame. I'm looking forward to that game. Oh, also, and this obviously, if you've been listening to anything that the Wolf and I have been saying for the last, I don't know, I don't know, the whole offseason, Allen Robinson looks really good. Hey, did you know Allen Robinson's younger than Cooper Cup? Yeah, I saw that. How insane. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like Robinson's been around. Robinson seems like he's like a 12 year veteran. No. He's still got his best ball potentially ahead of him, which I absolutely love. To me, that's the biggest takeaway here. I wasn't really targeting Van Jefferson. I, I think I might have taken him on one or two of the far. No, I don't care about Van Jefferson. I already I mean, I don't him. want him like to be. I, I hope he, he was heals, going in the, you know? No, of course not. And he can bring a nice field stretching presence. Like he he's a good real life football player. I certainly wasn't going after him. Uh, he was going around like KJ Osborne and just like Jahan Dotson. Guys, I really liked a whole lot more. So it doesn't impact me. Uh, person that's what everybody cares about right how it impacts me uh, yep. but I, I don't think he should have been on anybody's radar too hard where he was going anyways but to me it's just uh, similar to what these reports keeping it's just another mouth removed that was going to see some looks so a guy like Allen Robinson who we knew was going to get peppered already I mean who else do they have besides Cooper Cup and him and yeah sure Higby a little bit but it's just another reason to think that Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup could both be top five receivers potentially this year I have them statted out both as top seven guys and ever since I said, you know, we did that projection show and I was like, this is going to sound insane. And I just, it, it probably is, but all the love yeah. that's been coming in for Allen Robinson since there, all the highlight clips, I mean, every day in camp, he's making a catch over somebody he's running down. Yeah. Like he's not washed. Anybody that was worried that like, it was a worry about ability and not effort last year. No, he is, he is still just as good as ever. It does. Suck. You never want a guy that's quit on a team before on your own team, but it was a tough situation he was in last year. He was on a one-year deal. The coaching sucked. The quarterback play sucked. They weren't scheming him in. So I don't even necessarily blame him at that point. Uh, and everything so far is his approach has been workmanlike. Every day he's been in, the, one of the first people in, the last people to leave. Uh, they have just said, Allen Robinson, uh, the entire team coaches are, quote-unquote, fucking stoked to use him as creatively as possible really feed him the ball the hype is real Allen robinson's expecting a career year now him and cooper cup have been lethal in the red zone and really just all over the field i mean every day there's a new report every day there's a new video i'm so happy he's i think my third highest uh, rostered receiver on underdog and really if he's there in round four i take him one of my favorite strategies this year is running back running back running back Allen Robinson, you're getting the top 10 guy in round four. I couldn't feel more strongly about this considering what he has done in the past with Blake Bortles as his best quarterback. He's been in a top 20 passing offense. Trubisky? Once. Uh, yeah, Trubisky, exactly. But the top 21 was with our good friend Blake Bortles. That was when Allen Robinson was the wide receiver six with like 1,500 yards, 
14 touchdowns. That was in a top 20, like number 19 passing offense. The Rams have been top five every year, but one under McVay. Like it's going to be a bonanza. And this is just another feather in the cap for why Allen Robinson is somebody you absolutely should hammer that we will continue to hammer all day long. Texans wide receiver, John Metzke out for 2022 in all likelihood. He has leukemia, which is terrible. I mean, I don't, this is more to me like more of like a personal story than a fantasy story. They say Nico Collins has been making plays and is a mismatch in training camp. So maybe he's the guy that's going to fill that. Obviously I don't care much about any Texans receiver outside of Brandon cooks who I do actually really like, but I, I hope this dude's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Just prayers up for John Metchie. They're, they're saying they caught it really early uh, and that he should be recovering fully by this time next year. So prayers up and let's hope that happens. It's always a scary thing to see that happen. Uh, as you mentioned, Brandon Cooks, though, he already was someone we were targeting heavily. Yeah. This just gives him another – he was already going to see a huge target yeah, share. He's and being David targeted Mills. by, like, his actual quarterback. Heavily. 29% target <laughs> share in Davis Mills starts last year, which was crazy. He actually had truth. This this one got pretty good interaction on Twitter. Cooks had more top 24 finishes than Jamar Chase last year. And, of I course, Jamar that. Chase had, like, that. the – you you saw that one, yeah? Like no, yeah. I, I I didn't see it, but I believe it because I mean right. Chase Chase's numbers are skewed by the fact that there are a couple games where he scored like 50, 50 60 in championship weeks, right? and that's why he goes top ten. Like I get it. I'm not saying I'd rather have Cooks than Chase, but the floor is there. I mean, he had more top twenty top twelve games than T Higgins. That's what a lot of people are like. Oh well, he's better than T Higgins. How many top twelve games? Well, he actually had more than T Higgins. So he is right. great. He's an absolute stud. Davis Mills loves him. I guess that duo has just been destroying training camp. But like you mentioned, Nico Collins has been a big mismatch as well. They really don't have much else to throw to. He's got a big body. Uh, a lot of sharp guys. Adam Levitt on established the run loves him. He's been really hyping him up as his favorite to go for over a thousand yards and really break out in year two that nobody's kind of talking about. I love it. He goes at 150 or so in the drafts. I- I've-, I've been kind of scooping up Nico Collins a lot since this news broke. Maybe Brevin Jordan, a tight end emerges a little bit too. Uh, but to me, it's it's Brandon Cooks. Lock him in round five. A, a great pick. You know, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks. If you get three running backs and had those two as your receivers, yep. Adam Thielen, round six. Maybe throw in a Gabe Davis. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only guy – so one one tricky debate for me. I know we're, we got a ton to move through, but oh, I, yeah. I really also like Amon Ross St. Brown in round five. Who would you prefer between Cooks and, and ASB? Cooks. Yeah, it's more proven, but something tells me like St. Brown could be that next, like obviously not Cooper Cup type of level. That's the guy he was compared to. I don't know. I mean, Amon St. Brown put up those massive numbers, which catapulted some people to their championships. But who was out during those massive numbers? It was like DeAndre Swift was out. There were two other guys out. I don't, uh, Hawkinson was out. He was out. I mean, and then someone else was out. None of them are out. You know, they're all back and they're all healthy. So I, We'll see. I, I, would, I would go Cooks. I, I totally get that, too. Part of it to me might be like, yeah, they were out, but then they saw what this kid can do, and it's like, okay, we're still going to feed this And then guy. there's, also, uh, there's <laughs> also the part of us that's like, well, he showed he could do it in the big game, which is like, to us, it was a big game because it was the fantasy Super Bowl. <laughs> to him, it was like a meaningless like week 16 NFL uh, game for like a, a – five and 11 team or something. I know. I, know. Anyway, I do. But, I love but them we both. are insane round five. If it's not cooks, go ASB. I love them both. Uh, both of them are kind of my guys this year. Uh, in my draft guide, you guys will see by Monday is my, yeah, bring my it on. promise. Bring it's it close. On. It's very close. Mike Thomas, speaking of people that are going to jerk you around and make you just, just a little bit confused about what you're going to do with your auction money. 
He has been reported that he's looked fluid. He has no noticeable braces or wrapping around the left ankle at training camp. And even though I have no faith in this guy at all, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit intrigued. How could you not be? I, I mean, I mean, he's fucking Mike Thomas. Remember when he was getting like 200 targets a year? Exactly. Last time he was on the field, it, it, you know, he was playing with a shitty taste of ale. He was banged up himself, and he was still putting up stats. Never mind when he was actually healthy. The last full healthy season he had, he set the NFL record: 149 catches, 1,725 yards, and 10 scores or uh, nine scores rather. I mean, all he does is just feast when he's out there, and he looks. I mean, the clips every, day by day they just get better and better and better and more explosive. Uh, today's report from our good old friend. Nick Underhill, he took another step in his rehab plan, uh, seven-on-seven period. He looked incredibly normal. Um, presence immediately felt catching a one-on-one route against their top corners. Uh, later, curl in the middle of zone coverage, just crisp, effective, another positive sign that he is, is he's ready to go. And it's a classic, like, you can just picture week one hits and just envision it. Scott Hansen, and look who's back. And it's Michael 16 Thomas. catches for like 150 yards and two touchdowns. They're facing the Falcons. I mean, what better way to get welcomed back to the NFL? We can all see that, right? Like you all can yes. see. I could also Hansen. see I could also see him like playing like three games this year. and Which would also suck. And being like a scarecrow in all those games. To me, my gut leans like he's going to come back and he's kind of just going to be Michael I think, Thomas. I think so too, And but I, I – God. It's tough. It is, it's, I mean, it's been two years, right? It's been, you know two years since we've seen that, so it is tricky to trust. But somebody like him, who's literally gone over a thousand yards in every single time he's played more than fourteen games, you know, ninety-two catches is the lowest amount of receptions he's ever had in a full season. Like, I love it. And there's the narrative too. Jameis Winston, uh, recent interview. I love this one. One, I love Jameis Winston. Like, he might sure. be my favorite player in the world, uh, other than Tom Brady, of course. But Jameis Winston was recently talking about how they both had got robbed last year, and they kind of all off season were texting each other and like, we're gonna have to get back out there and like really just show what this world was missing. And I love that. Like. Hell yeah. Any type of narrative. We'll talk about a great one later with Brandon Ayuk. But like any of those narratives of people connecting and bonding on a level beyond football, it seems stupid. But we saw what it meant with Cooper Cup. Like you just want to go out for your guy. You want to feed your guy. I could see Thomas. We've seen Jameis Winston produce two top five receivers in a single offense. Like it could certainly happen with Michael Thomas, even with these new mouths here. All right. Let's move on to the Ravens when they're ground pie. It's it. We're, we're 10, 10 stories in and we're like 35 minutes into the podcast. So uh, Ravens running backs, potentially a huge ground pie, but lots of injury questions, obviously. J.K. Dobbins uh, maybe doesn't go on the PUP list, but he's been wanting to practice and the team's been saying no so far. Um, does seem to be ahead of Gus Edwards on the uh, depth chart if he's playing, which is a big if. And also, Justice Hill has looked quick, showing no signs of the Achilles tear. Speaking of injured Ravens running backs that sidelined him all of last season, uh, big ground pie. But I mean, who's going to be who's going to be making the thing up, right? Yeah, and and when it said ahead of Do- uh, Gus Edwards, not only on the depth chart but in his recovery, yeah, but he's also years. injured. Yeah, also okay. injured. But they're saying he's he's going to be back before the end of training camp. If I was a betting man. I imagine that Dobbins, I mean, every day he's the first person in there and he's like, coach, put me in, coach, put me in. And they're going with the medical staff and obviously you can't blame them for that decision, but it's, it, Dobbins will be out there sooner than later. And it sounds like Gus Edwards might not be for the first few games of the year. So you could get Dobbins 
as you mentioned, the biggest ground pie in the NFL, most likely. They're going back to that smash mouth style, the way they loaded up the line, the way they got rid of some of their receivers. They're all, all they keep talking about is we're going back to 2019. Like they're not even hiding it at all. They're saying it openly. They had 596 carries that year. It was the most by almost a hundred that season. Like it was insane. So it's the biggest possible ground pie. When Dobbins was healthy, I mean, he is a perfect fit for the the zone runs, the power runs. Like that's the the one thing Greg Roman does well. I think it's a hideous offense, but it's a very creative run scheme and you need a runner that's very diverse. That's JK Dobbins. I mean, he can just do it all to perfection. Uh, So I, I like Dobbins at his like 60 ish price tag. I typically have three running backs and I'm kind of hammering receivers in that range anyway. So I haven't landed him all that often, but if I am going running back there, it's either him or it's the, the big, the buds himself, AJ Dillon. I mean, what a monster he is too. And I think I need more of him. Um, I only put justice Hill on here, not because I'm trying to hype him up. No way. We've all done that dance far too many times, but it's just another example of like, maybe the Achilles tear is becoming the new ACL. Like we're seeing these guys recover from Achilles, it used to be the death knell. Like nobody yeah, would ever recover. And we still haven't really seen anyone come back and really be truly explosive at the running back position. We've seen a couple of receivers do it. Um, maybe Akers will be the first this year. But it's just like promising that these guys are, are coming back as quickly and as explosively uh, based on practice reports from these Achilles tears. It, it, maybe it's just another one of those things. It used to be ACLs. Maybe Achilles are now like something you can genuinely bounce back from. I'd love to see that. We don't want to lose our entire audience, you know, uh, before this Hall of Fame game. Fraser McDonald says, can't wait to watch the fucking Jags pra- practice squad tonight. It's too long. Anyway, it's finally <laughs> well, it's Devontae season. It's right. still fucking football, though, right? I'm going to yeah. watch it. You're going to yeah. watch it. We're all going to watch it, Fraser, over it's, in it's, Scotland. It's kind <laughs> of it's kind of football. Anyway, Jags running backs. James Robinson not going on the PUP. Travis Etienne, star of camp. Oh, Travis Etienne. He plays on the Jags. Well, he's not playing tonight. No way. And, so and at the end of the day, don't get too excited. Like, we we can complain all we want about that, but if I was an NFL team, I wouldn't be playing. No, of course this not. I wouldn't preseason. play anybody that was worth a shit to me in any of these games. No, I mean we've already seen Patrick go down in practice. Like I and, and Etienne, like you know, obviously had the injury concerns last year. I would not. I would be keeping him in bubble wrap this entire preseason. But he has been the star of camp, lining up all over the place, explosive play after explosive play. I want to love him. Like I like, I typically love those guys that are force fed at running back position in the passing game. We always talk about 2.8 times as value of a, a target compared to a carry. It's the, yep. the profile I like. I just can't get fully there with him as freakish as he is, as talented as he could be. It worries me that, you know, James Robinson's already he's missed the PUP. Doug Peterson has called him the lead back. If he's healthy, he's always loved running backs by committees. I mean, we've seen guys like Darren Sproles have pretty productive years. And obviously, Etienne is light years ahead of Darren Sproles uh, in this Doug Peterson scheme. So I, I should like him more than I do. I just – I don't love him. Do you? What are your thoughts on Etienne? Is he a guy you're going after in your auction? No. Um, no. And, you know, you know how I feel about Jaguars. I, I, and I'm worried about the injury risk. I mean, I you know, it's a combination of you're really going to have to prove it to me before I'm going to jump on any Jaguars. And this guy suffered a really serious injury last year, and you just never know. Like, if you told yeah. me he was going to bounce back and be good, I would not be overly shocked. But, no, he's not a guy that's anywhere near the top of my yeah. – obviously, he's not near the top of my depth chart, but then there's guys that you target. They're not going to be number one on the list, but you're you're looking to hit him. He's not one of the guys I'm going after. Yeah, there you go. So we're, we're on the same page there. Somebody also tweeted out a video of his running style, and his feet are all weird, and they're like, no wonder this guy's having foot injuries when this is yeah. how his feet are like flopping onto the, the field. So, 
Maybe there's some validity to that. I don't really know. You know, something just to consider for sure. All right, let's talk about the Steelers and Mitch Trubisky, yeah, which I alluded to earlier. About, right? I stepped on one of these uh, stories just because uh, I was like, well, I got to mention this. Uh, Peter King reports Mitch Trubisky has basically been told the job is his to lose, and Mitch said, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's sure doing his best to <laughs> One do thing I can do is lose. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so it sounds like he's, you know, without giving you any of the specific numbers or anything, he just looked really bad. <laughs> oh, oh, for 16 in the red zone drills, like, you know, oh, for four in interception and team drills. It's awful. And, I mean, they're saying Mason Rudolph is their best quarterback now. So I, I just talk about how much I love Deontay Johnson. He's quarterback proof. That could be really put to the test we'll this see. year. I mean, it, <laughs> Mason Rudolph's the guy. I do think he'll be the quarterback's best friend whoever it ends up being. But yeah, I mean, it's too bad. I, I always reference Mr. Trubisky's 2018 where he loved a Matt Nagy team to the playoffs and was the quarterback 15 in total points, quarterback 12 in points per game. Like we saw some upside, but it sure has been a while since we saw that quarterback 31 and quarterback 27 since we last saw him. And as you mentioned, doing his best to not keep the job. So I, at the end of the day, just I don't want no, you know, people were taking stabs on the, myself included and in, in deeper leagues, on this quarterback situation, hoping you could stack Deontay Johnson and Fryer move with the right guy. I'm just kind of letting it be. I don't really want any of these quarterbacks. Like, hopefully the right one wins and Deontay Johnson can kind of rise to the occasion. But other than that, you know, maybe Fryer move. Obviously, Najee Harris, we, you got to love. After those three, there's just really nobody. We'll talk about uh, We'll talk about a couple of guys that could be intriguing down the, this podcast. We'll see. All right, number 14, Packers wide receiver totem pole action. Alan Lazard at the top, but is it Dubes? Is that how that's pronounced? Dubes? I believe it is Dobbs, so. actually. Nah, I think it's, it's Dobbs. I know Dubes would be way cooler. Romeo but. Dobbs or Dubes, uh, whatever, you know, whatever you're interested in. He's also doing pretty well. You know, I saw, speaking of this Packers wide receiver totem pole, I saw an interesting stat where in games in the Devontae Adams era in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers averaged more fantasy points a game than Josh Allen, the QB one averaged last year. So he averages more points in the games that he started without Devonte Adams than the top guy in the league averaged last year, who were all foaming at the mouth over. How does that make any sense? It, I, I, I don't know, but when I see something like that, I say like, I, one of these guys is going to do something. I, and I don't see Rodgers being as low as he is on your list, even though I understand. Yeah, I have him so low. And you know he's going to give me the middle finger. He does every time. Like, a, yeah. he, you know, there's always reasons to hate him and his core and, and what's going to happen. And he always just proves us wrong. So I, I probably do need to revisit that. It is a question. Who is it going to be that steps up? To me, it probably will be Alan Lazard. Uh, he already, you know, you got the praise from Rodgers. I really think Alan is ready to make the jump, be number one receiver. He's excited to have this opportunity with him. You got Aaron Jones saying the same thing. He can be everything. He's already the goon in the run game, and I think he's shown when he gets the opportunity he can be a dominant receiver, and he really did. He was the fifth in fantasy points per target last year. We know those targets are going to go way up. The efficiency will certainly flip as the volume goes up too, but I mean, the guy has balled out when he's been given the chance. The wide receiver eight during the last five weeks of last year and a huge inload boatload more volume coming his way so i like that i do think aaron jones will probably be the leading receiver on this team but alan lazar will be a big one and then as you mentioned dobbs the star of camp right now aaron Rodgers rarely gives compliments to anybody certainly not rookies he's like notorious for hating on the rookies for just and being an is, asshole in general yeah just being a complete dickhead but he's loves <laughs> he loves dobbs here every single day he makes at least one play one wow play he's nfl ready like you don't usually get 
Rodgers saying it's rare for a young guy to do that. We have these young guys over the years that have come and did it, but they've all been top 10 in Packers receiving history citing this guy. So, I mean, is it all hype and maybe it will just be puff? Potentially, but he's running at this point as a top two receiver in an Aaron Rodgers attack. I, I like Lazard, even though he goes pretty early at 75. And I sure as hell love Dobbs where he's going at like 180 right now. I just regret that he was going in the last round of every draft earlier this offseason. I remember seeing his name, being like, eh, rookie Rodgers, not going to happen. I wish I had taken him when he was going there because now he's going at least three rounds before he used to be. I would love to be overweight on him. And it's going to be tough to because he goes around some players I love, but it, it, I'm going in on him. I've been t- drafting him a lot in the recent drafts. And I think everybody else out there should be too. Also, I really hope that his name's pronounced Dubes. Um, I, I believe it's Dobbs. It's funny you brought that up because they're one of the, the beat writers tweeted out today. It's pronounced whatever it is. And I honestly, I forgot right now already. I, I think it's Dobbs, but he's like, Dobbs, all he cares about is football. So he won't ever correct us when we get it wrong. And he's shy and he just doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care about his name. He just wants to win and and dominate. And I, I love that about him. I, I love that part. Good. And also, if he doesn't give a shit, I'm just going to call him Dubes. Yeah, Dubes. Um, What's up, Dubes? <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, I feel like this story wouldn't even matter so much if it wasn't the Bills, but because it's the Bills. I'm assuming that means slot roll, not slot roll there on the yep. banner. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so any, anyway, uh, <clears throat> anyway, Isaiah McKenzie running above Jamison Crowder in the slot position uh, in a lot of the training camp. Significant just because we think the Bills offense could just be, you know, producing a plethora of points. Yeah, 100 percent. And McKenzie, whenever he's gotten opportunities, has really performed well. It's always kind of baffled me that he does as well as he does when he gets on the field and then doesn't get back on there. It last two starts, 11 catches, 125 yards and a TD was the wide receiver three that week. The other start, six receptions, 65 yards and two TDs wide receiver seven, you know, averages 30 points a game in his starts. Don't know why he didn't start more often, but sounds like he's going to be getting a whole lot more burn because he's been the star of camp. A new quote today emerged. I don't have in here truth that I know you'll love. Josh Allen r- referred to him as muscle hamster reborn because he's okay. like short, compact, like jittering all over the field, bowling through people, like zipping. Muscle hamster reborn. What, what more do I have to tell you? You got to draft muscle hamster reborn. Name. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, and Crowder's been missing time. But what I, I love is he, he did return this week and didn't take the one role by any means. McKenzie was still locked in, still making highlight play after highlight play. There have been a couple of days they're saying he's out being out targeting every other receiver on this entire course. So like, if he's the cheapest of the starters right. at 150. Uh, he's become my, my new I'm hammering him well 20 picks above his ADP just because I, I got to get this guy. I got to get him. He's going to be the next Donovan Peoples-Jones on your rosters. Tunes no, has said Allen, se- severe weather at the game today. Fans are being told to seek shelter. Game probably will not start on time. So any of the 40 million people that were tuned in to watch that game, if even just a few of you would come over and join our feed. Come on uh, over. We're going to we're gonna keep rolling through this thing. Give, give us, us a like. like give, give us, us a, a subscribe. Share. Keep commenting. We're going to get to these things. Yeah, continue to comment in. That's awesome. It gives us a little bit more breathing room here. But get people to join by giving it a thumbs up sharing it, retweeting it, hearts, all that good stuff. It does truly. We wouldn't beg for it and be sluts like this if it didn't help us grow. It is so greatly appreciated. We would love to have as many of you that we do here interacting and being here, and we want more and more. So thank you guys again for being here. Continue to please help us grow if you can. Uh, It's greatly appreciated. And if you're at the game, for God's sake, seek shelter. Yeah, good Lord. All right. Uh, Moving on to point number 16. This is one of my favorites of the entire list, actually. Wandale Robinson. Yes. For the Giants. 
earned the dubious distinction of being camp MVP, which I imagine is like <laughs> being the kid at fat camp who like wins the hundred yard day. Uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, Kadarius Tony also impressing in the new offense. We can just move to the next one if you want. No, I'm telling you, this Wandale kid, one, <laughs> you know the Duck loves this guy, Kentucky boy. Uh, shout know. out to the Duck as always. I know. Love the Duck. Big avid listener. We always love the Duck here. Uh, this is not the fat kid at camp because he's 5'8, 180. He's small. That's the big knock on him. It's an analogy, uh, Wolf. Uh, what's that? It's an analogy. Yes, I know I he's know not that. the fat <laughs> I, I obviously know that, too. Uh, but last year, first like full year at receiver, he was kind of a hybrid running back coming into the, the uh, college. He goes to Kentucky, gets transferred to a first-year uh, wide receiver. 104 receptions, third in the NCAA. He had 39% target share. That was 99th percentile. The guy commands the ball wherever he goes, and he's commanding the ball already in camp. The 91.33 PFF grade was first among SEC receivers. So I love the profile coming in. I love that Brian Dayball. You know, I know you hate the Giants. I sure hate the Giants. So much. I hate them so much. Team. There's a podcast you have to listen to, though. I'll send you the link. It's JJ right. Zacharyson, one of the smartest guys yeah, out there. He's just, like really data-driven and, and you know, us and our like film and just kind of eyeball tests. It's a good compliment to what we do. So I, I promote that to anybody. We're not partners or anything, but like highly recommend it. He has a great one on team level regression. And it's pretty much like teams that are just horrendously shitty just by nature get like 14 more touchdowns. The least scoring team typically scores 14 more touchdowns as a team the next year, even when you eliminate all the factors. And then you get a nice offensive genius, Brian Dable coming over from Buffalo. He handpicks this guy and he's already moving in the backfield. He's taking carries. He's going deep. Like I hate Daniel Jones. And that's the one worry I have on this offense. There are some rumors they might be trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, which would be awesome. I would love to see that because I really do think that these weapons are, are pretty solid. It's just Daniel Jones' issue. And maybe Dable does squeeze the most juice out of Daniel Jones possible. Certainly he will. It's just a matter of how much juice is in that squeeze. But I really do like this guy. He's also moving Kadarius Tony around a bit. I, I know, again, you probably don't want any Giants, so I'm just kind of talking to air right now. Uh, but Kadarius Tony. You know, 189 yards in one of his only starts last year. Top seven in terms of like man coverage beating rate. Just really good athlete. That's also been again moving all over. That's why I love. I love when I read about people moving to the backfield. Tony's taking wildcat snaps and and throwing it to Wandale down the field. Just one of those offenses that like we know the defense is going to blow. So can they actually just keep pace and attract me and put up points? That's kind of what I think. Like them, the Jags. I have no faith in Zach Wilson and the Jets, but I really could see the Jags and the Giants being so shitty on defense, but then having an offense that can at least put up some garbage time points and get you a lot of fantasy goodness. They didn't have it under Joe Judge, where they'd be down by twenty and he'd still like QB sneak on third and twenty in his own fucking fifteen yard line. Like that was a, just abysmal, the worst case scenario. I think Brian Dable's the potential best case scenario that they could have got this year, and I, and I like these type of weapons. Uh, there's only one thing I have faith in Zach Wilson doing, and I'm not even going to finish that sentence because I know you know exactly what I'm <laughs> screwing <gonna say>. all <laughs> our mothers. <laughs> right? I was going to say, I was going to say, how much would I have to pay you to let Zach Wilson hang out with like your mom for the evening? Oh God, never. Right? <laughs> exactly. No, no, thank you. Hide your mothers and like you know your aunts and anybody else. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, look, I also just want to say something. You know, I'm a notorious Giants hater. I would like it if they were better. I think it's more fun when they're decent. Like the Jets are always bad. I'm not expecting anything from them, but I would actually enjoy it if the Giants were okay. 
I don't hate I think the they're Giants. They're going to be fun. Like, I don't pull against team. the Giants as a team. I'm not like, oh, I hate the Giants. It's like, I just look at them and I'm like, yeah, they're terrible all the time. I think their record's going to be bad, but their offense is going to be fun. But they're in a terrible division. Like, why should their record be so bad? That record is terrible. <laughs> right, right. That's my point. All right, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for him. Paris Campbell, if you turned in early in the show, you saw this headline flash across <laughs> the uh, Nate Shaw opening. Paris, Camp- Paris Campbell, first team and feasting. Also, Alec Pierce looking strong as well. Uh, obviously, this is with Matt Ryan under center. So hopefully a big improvement there. Um, anything to say about either of those guys? I mean, Campbell, it, it, we always see this hype and he always gets hurt. But if he's ever going to get it done, I mean, Matt Ryan's the perfect type of quarterback, the precision type passer, the timing routes. Him and Campbell are feasting together. So I another guy I like taking a stab on. I kind of put these guys in order. McKenzie, McKenzie being first. Then Wandale. I guess I went Dubes early, but that's come more for Lazard. But I would rank them, Dubes. Um, you know, McKenzie, then Wandale, then Campbell, then Dubes. It's kind of how I rank these guys. KJ Hamler right in that mix, too. Uh, there's a ton of these late-round receivers I just really like, and that's why I don't yep. mind going running back early to take these lottery tickets. I really think at least two or three of these guys blow up. Um, and Paris Campbell, a zone buster, really, really strong. And, and I think a lot of people are forgetting that Alec Pierce is also really good just because he's not – clear number one because Paris Campbell's taken that he's still getting mixed in with the ones they're putting him on Stefan Gilmore a lot like go get him rookie and, and Gilmore's getting the best of him but that's how you kind of you just go against the, the iron breeds iron type of mentality I love it like bring bring this guy into the gets the best and make him good I could see Alec Pierce being kind of maybe irrelevant for a little bit but Campbell has his usual injury or maybe he just emerges by mid-year and, and being one of those stretch run maybe ASB type of guy I really like Alec Pierce. He's falling because of these reports, and I don't think he should be. Yeah, uh, to just comment on something that you just mentioned, I the more and more I've been doing my homework and uh, getting my draft, both snake and auction strategy together, I've been seeing like exactly what you're saying, which is like there's a lot of receivers mid-range and lower that I'm very interested in and very willing to ride or die with. Yeah, And so I'm, I'm also – I'm going heavy – running back early uh, if I were going at least two rounds, maybe three. So I yeah. agree with that completely. Uh, Brandon, Ayuk, best player on the field for the 49ers in the games that he's been messing around. That would be nice. Remember when he just disappeared for a while? Right into the like, doghouse. Like, I mean, di- I mean, disappeared on a level that we've rarely ever seen a player disappear. Truly like didn't like zero the- targets, stuff like that. Zero snaps. Trent right. Sherfield was playing above him. Disgusting. Right. Yeah, that was awful. Cool. But this gives me hope that that won't be the case. If he's having this strong of a camp, I can't imagine him ever re-entering that doghouse. Uh, and when he did get out of the doghouse, finally, he played 90% of the snaps from weeks 9 to 18. He was wide receiver 21 in fancy points per game. That's not insignificant. I mean, that's a good amount. Six highest graded receiver from PFF. I mean, he's had a 75-plus grade in back-to-back years. That's a pretty elite company. There's very few. The list of people have done that. Very impressive people he's among. Uh, But maybe the most important thing beyond the highlight plays and whatnot, and really the reason these highlight plays are happening, is my new favorite narrative of all time. The new breakfast club was a thing last year. We've now got Fireside Chat and S'mores Club. Brandon Hayuk has been living with Trey Lance, and apparently every night they've been working out every day, just going out grinding, and then they go and sit around a fire together. And they just talk about life. They hang out by the fire, talk, and really just got to know each other, roasting s'mores. And, and they did that every night. They would work out, hit the fire, and talk, and just become personal buddies. And, again, as stupid as something like that might sound, 
that little personal connection can go such a long way for you wanting to get your guy his. Uh, yep. There's even a new clip. I posted this on Twitter. I've been getting some good reactions to it. There's another clip someone commented on. You forgot about this 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 narrative, the milk dud narrative, where Trey Lance just looks over at Brandon Ayuk and goes, hey, milk dud, and just starts laughing. <laughs> they start giggling at each other, and it's just like the best thing in the world, and he looks like a milk dud the way he's sitting. It's just like the yep. milk dud narrative too now. You got s'mores, you got milk duds. I mean, I was a little bit out on IU because I was worried about the passing volume and whatnot, but if these two are as bonded as they are, if he's going to be making these type of plays day in and day out, I mean, everybody just coaches players, everyone just saying he's the best fan on the field. I, I like it. I, I'm ready for the rebound. What are your thoughts? I, I'm all over it. I honestly, I am. You, know, I'm all, <laughs> you like I'm, the s'mores narrative? <laughs> yes, I do. And I like him as a talent just in general. But I mean, you know, if you look at like what, what they got him projected going for in an auctions, like five or six bucks. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Static. Like eighth round right now. I mean, yeah. he goes around 10 on DraftKings best ball. I'm all in. And remember when he was a rookie, there was a stretch run when everyone got hurt. So granted, yes, he, he had to ascend, but he really did. He averaged almost 21 points per game from weeks seven through 15. Devonte Adams and Tyree kill were the only two receivers for those seven weeks to outscore him. I mean, that is, you, you can see it. You've seen the talent. Now he's out of the doghouse. Now he's got a good rapport with his quarterback. The sky's the limit for him. And, and I was a little bit nervous about it, but I'm, I'm ready to go all in. He, he out-targeted Debo Samuel at the second half of last year, once he got out of the doghouse. Then that's another reason to be a little bit less, as much as I love Debo, maybe just to be a little bit less. Let me ask you him. this about Debo. Is he yeah. living with Trey Lance? I don't think he's by the fireside every night. I'll tell you that. Wait, is he at the fireside reading the classics? Dickens, Hawthorne, <laughs> Faulkner? Is he milk dud? I don't think he's milk dud. <laughs> I don't think he's milk dud. All right. Elijah Moore, firmly established as the number one receiver uh, on the Jets. Yeah, that's kind of like being uh, the fat kid uh, at bat camp that wins 100 yard dash. <laughs> oh, wait, I already used that joke. Um, still applies. <laughs> it's still timeless, though. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, well, we're, we're an hour in just about, you know, we're about halfway through. We'll see if these uh, at the bottom of the line, uh, if we go on less tangents on these, but I mean, Elijah Moore, sure. He's probably the number one receiver on the Jets. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the one reason this is noteworthy is Garrett Wilson was a really good talent, really good profile coming in. So to know more is separated clearly from him is, is a good positive note. The negative note is Zach Wilson still sucks. Uh, you look at this, this one, Elijah I've been Moore, saying that all the time. I've been fighting with you that. on this. And he continues to suck, which actually at the end of the day could be a positive. And I'll tell you why. Is he's being outplayed by Joe Flacco right now. That oh, sounds God, Joe Flacco is still in the NFL. Joe Flacco's still there. Get a load Super of Super Bowl winning quarterback Joe Flacco. The elite Joe Flacco. Uh <laughs> Elijah Moore's points per game by quarterback. Zach Wilson, 7.4. Absolutely yeah, I pathetic. Know. I know. Mike White, 12.2. Josh Johnson, 27.4. Joe Flacco, 29.6 points per game with Joe Flacco. If by some ungodly reason Zach Wilson is that bad that he gets benched for Joe Flacco before the year, I will legitimately bump Elijah Moore probably 10 spots in my rankings because I love the talent. You see the one-handed catches every single day happening. I just have a very hard time buying in him at his price where there's guys like Thielen, guys I know, yeah, they're less sexy or less breakout-y type profiles. And there's a lot of good studies about second-year uh, second receivers breaking out at nearly a 41%, like averaging over six points more than what their ADP should be. So, I mean, there's a very good hit rate with second years. There's a lot of good ones this year. 
I'm going to have a hard time making Elijah Moore that second year breakup for me if Zach Wilson's his quarterback. So everyone just keep your fingers crossed. Zach Wilson maybe picks up an STD or something from one of these 45, 50 year old women <laughs> he's nailing. And, uh, and Elijah Moore <laughs> might be in business. To burn while <laughs> <Right? getting it>. <laughs> <laughs> a little gonorrhea, something like that. Yeah, something. All right. George Pickens has been eating well in uh, Chase Claypool's absence. Uh, good for George. Except the problem is that Mitch Trubisky's throwing him the ball, so possibly we should just move on. I know. Yeah, probably. But it is uh, one a downgrade for Claypool. Like you know, I I loved early reports that he's playing as a big body slot and and moving all over the place and emerging as a leader. And Deontay Johnson's absence, everything seemed to be going good. And then he had the shoulder injury and hasn't been back. And all it's been is star of camp, George Pickens. Uh, you know, he would have been a probably around one pick had he not been hurt throughout his college career, a five-star recruit, just a, a beast. Every time he's on the field, he's dominated, and he's doing so again at the pro level. You love to see it. I've definitely been willing to take more stabs on him, but again, is the quarterback play going to matter at the end of the day? Like, Is the talent going to matter when it, the quarterback play is just so atrocious? I don't know. Probably not, but it's, it's at least worth noting. He's a guy that I just wasn't really on my radar at all. And now he's someone I'll take in those middle rounds, uh, not middle rounds, like the you know 150, 60 range. I say that, but then I'm like Isaiah McKenzie, Wandale Moore, like all these other guys I've, I've already hyped. I probably still like more than Pickens because I do think Claypool comes yeah. back. And at best, he's the third, maybe fourth option. And when you have Najee Harris eating 100 targets, he's probably the yeah. fourth option at best. So Yeah, this one doesn't move the needle too much for me. Nah. Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, is this more of a running back by committee? You never want to hear that. Uh, if this is something you're interested in, I would think that if it is the case, which I mean, Sean McVay said, I look at it like we've got two starting running backs. So, I mean, I don't know uh, for whatever that's worth. If that's true, it would seem like Henderson would be the guy you'd want a piece of. Right. I mean, yeah. Cause the price tag is right. so much cheaper. Acres is going early round four, sometimes round three. I mean, this hasn't been McVay's motto. I talked about it with Barrett last night, but like, you know, if he had a guy stay healthy for that week, it was around 70 to 90% of the touches that week. Uh, and that was last year. Maybe he's moving away from that because the, the system just broke down. But when Akers came back last year, even after a torn Achilles six months, he had 19.25 opportunities per game across the playoffs. I mean, they went back to him as a workhorse. He didn't really deserve it because he was so inefficient with those touches. Henderson was also out for that span, though, too. And we did see him get worked in when he came back into the Super Bowl. So maybe it is a bit more of a committee situation than people are giving it credit for as good of an offense as it is, committees are just at that price tag. You don't, you're not trying to get the better half of a committee in round three. I, I certainly am getting a little bit more intrigued by Henderson at his price than what Acres is. I had Acres written up in my draft guide as somebody I'm targeting, and that's going to be something I adjust. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not because he's going the same range as Zeke. Like we know Zeke's going to be a workhorse for as long as he holds. I down. actually am liking Zeke more and more. Yeah, I, the more I talk about Zeke, the more I'm getting into him too, and we'll talk about him shortly. But yeah. It's becoming a backfield for me to avoid, I think. Uh, Henderson late, I guess, as you said. All right, Javante, speaking of another potential running back by committee that has been bothering us like a rock in our shoe for a while, oh. looking like he might be seeing 70% of the work or maybe not. Obviously, he and Melvin Gordon sharing the same backfield. Uh, someone's going to get squeezed a little bit, right? Yep. I mean, I do love Cecil Lammy, the guy that uh, reported 70-30. He typically has a good thumb on the, the um, Broncos pulse here. So I do put a little bit more weight into that report. Uh, but then Benjamin Albright, another Broncos reporter, saying by his charts, so he's been repping it out every day, 54 and 46 is what he's saying. And then that doesn't seem unreasonable. That's what it was 
about last year. He's actually almost dead even at 50-50. They have the exact same amount of carries with a few more receiving targets going towards Javante Williams. If it's 70-30, he could be the next Jonathan Taylor. Like That's how good of a talent he was by the metrics. He broken tackle rate, explosive run rate. Like All of it was on par with Nick Chubb, with, with Jonathan Taylor as one of the best runners in the NFL. So if he does get 70% of the work at, at a late round two price, he's going to be a steal. But if he doesn't, then he's probably going to be overpriced because Melvin Gordon did outscore him in 10 to 16 weeks last year. Uh, he gets a ton of the valuable you know, goal line and all those good touches. I do think the offense as a whole is going to be just that much better that both of these guys, if it's 55, 45, like they could both pay off their prices. But obviously, again, do you want the cheaper guy that may? Um, so I've been kind of, as much as I love Javante, I want to be more in. I want more shares. And if it's 70%, he's going to be a, a dominant force. I've been tapering it down a little bit, especially because I'm getting a little bit higher on a, a, a previous fat running back. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. Eddie Lacy? No. <laughs> Leonard Leonard Fournette? Yes. Oh, okay. Lee Lenny coming up later. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Chiefs. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I think it's Pacheco. Is that right? I wish I could help you out, but I right. know. Well, that's what I'm calling him unless somebody corrects me. Um, anyway, uh, CEH, he's still the guy uh, who's being the first team guy through running back drills, but it almost seems like it's by default to me. It's like it's not yeah. like he's been particularly good. Your guy, Jarek McKinnon, and this guy, Isaiah Pacheco, maybe pronunciation pending have also been rotating head all of them ahead of the corpse of Ronald Jones. Yeah. I, I'm glad to say I have not drafted Ronald Jones once this year and I do not particularly plan to change that. At any Tune, point says it's on pa- that. Tune says, I believe it's Pacheco. Pacheco. Right. All right. Thank you. Tunes Pacheco. We will go with for now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, four, three, seven speed, two fifteen pounds, a big size speed type of freak tough runner at Rutgers, like, uh, you know, a low profile in that sense from a smaller school in Rutgers, but everything is that he's lighting up camp. He's being compared to Kareem Hunt by Albert Breer. The the speed that is being cited by Andy Reid as a, a real factor for them. And what I do really like too, Nate Taylor, a guy we had on last year, talk, talk about him going to the slot and how fun it is to watch this guy split out wide. So, I mean, he's getting the full gamut of that Andy Reid running back where you move all over the place, backfield slot, all that. Love it. But worst case, he's already locked up the kick returner spot. My one worry is that you draft this guy as your last round dart throwing best ball and he gets cut and doesn't even make the roster because he's a seventh rounder. And then, thanks, I, I just blew my spot. But he's already the number one kick returner. So you know he's going to be on the team. That's just a matter of does he ever actually earn the starting role or, or some time in the backfield to complement that kick returner role? And if so, I mean, it, it's not a hard depth chart to climb. CH sucks. We've given up on him, who as, as deservedly so, way too in on first year. We didn't ever make the mistake of going back in. I'm never going back in. I really think that there's, you know, I love McKinnon, but like this kid, this guy's a bigger, faster, stronger, younger version of that. Then sign me up for this. I'm ready to toss McKinnon to the trash and get all in on this guy. So as a last round stab, I think there's a ton of intrigue. I mean, we've seen Damien Williams, who's not, he's on the Falcons as like a third stringer on the worst team in the league right now. Damian Williams, he was putting up 28 points a game because he was on a Pat Mahomes-led offense as a feature back. That's the type of upside that we have here. Daryl Williams last year. Daryl Williams. He was a beast. So, I mean, like there is – if he gets some starts or he gets 15 touches in this offense, he could really be – I don't know much about him other than it's a great offense and he's he's got some real speed. So, very intriguing last-round stab type of guy. Kind of like Daryl Williams in Arizona, by the way. I I love Daryl Williams in Arizona. Oh, yeah. And I like Connor, but I I like Connor a lot, too. But I mean, yeah, Daryl Williams. 
hundred, the best handcuff in the game. Absolutely. Ramondre Stevenson to see the bulk of the carries and a potential James White role as well. Um, it, that would be worth something. If he gets the James White role, I mean, he should be going three rounds earlier, if not more, than what he's doing right now. That's about a 20% target share type of role, and he's a steamroller. I mean, he averaged, I think it was close to three yards per route run last year. He didn't do a ton of uh, routes out there, but whenever he got used, it, it was pretty elite. His explosive run rate was also similarly up there with some of those others, the Javante Williams and whatnot. He's a train when he's out there. Thing is, is Damian Harris was really good too. He had yeah. 15 touchdowns last year. Like he's no slouch. Did he really have 15 touchdowns? Yeah, 15 touchdowns. And wow. why I'm kind of fading that is he had 15 touchdowns and he still just kind of met like his point expectation for where he was getting drafted at, which kind of blows your mind. That's just how well it means he underperformed somewhere else. The receiving work, exactly. Right. And that's if Ramondre is getting that, and then Harris, who does have an injury history, goes down and you suddenly have a a three down back, which never happens with the Pats. But if that happens, I mean, Andre would win leagues. So he, he's an intriguing guy. He does go around like Singletary and um, Chase Edmonds, who I really like. So I haven't landed him a ton, but I certainly see the bull case. I, I and I, I was at the, the, the Browns game last year when he had 220 yeah. yards and like four touchdowns. I saw it firsthand. I mean, the guy can certainly win you a week. Um, it's just a matter of how much volume he gets. But if, if it becomes clear he is in that James White role, I'll bump him up 30 spots in my rankings, like without hesitation. So something to certainly consider and something to keep monitoring here in camp. Miles Sanders has reportedly been taking second team reps. Um, Kenny Gainwell may be on the way up. Now, I don't believe this story for a second because how would they replace all those Sanders touchdowns? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Zero last year. I mean, pathetic. Um, for what it's worth, the next day, uh, Miles Sanders came in and was the top running back after Gainwell got the first team reps. And Nick Sirianni was like, you like that first team, baby. And like made a point of being like, fuck you beat writers. You're, you're overstating this. <laughs> what are, We're just nerds. Like looking for anything to grasp at here. Fuck off. Like <laughs> we care that you, we care about your team. So don't be an asshole about right. it. Just like, say, I appreciate the interest. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, and Good for you, Miles. You're the top back, but you fucking can't score a touchdown. Like, right. I, I have no interest in Miles Sanders. And it's kind of crazy because they have a great line. I think it's going to be a good offense. I, I think it's going to be a good running game. It's going to be one of the run heaviest teams in the league. I still – I had Sanders last year. It's not an experience I want to sign up for again. I, I don't see this – everybody talks about positive and negative regression, and it, the, the science behind it makes sense. No, nope, I'm Sanders not. Sanders is just a little bitch. Like, I, I, I'm getting Gainwell a, a lot – I have zero shares of Sanders and I'm going big in the game where he goes at like 140 to 150. I'm, I'm all into that. All right. Let's talk about Zach Moss. Yeah. Uh, is Zach Moss really involved? And then you have written next to it. Fuck off. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it, it, trending toward having a role. Like the, the reason this I is, like this is Zach the definition of next. Yeah. We're moving the only on. reason. Well, I'm not interested in Zach Moss. The reason I bring it up is, Singletary, we've done drafts together. I think we've gotten Singletary together in every single one we've done. We like and I, I liked it. Like he's my highest owned running back right now. The number two running back in fantasy over the fantasy playoffs it was set to have like that big lead role. I know that James Cook was drafted and he's quote unquote uh, been opening eyes in camp as well was the quote about James Cook. I, I love that. It's like there's so many superlatives that you could say, so many nice comments. You may, oh, 
Yeah, he's been opening some eyes. It's like that's such a lukewarm compliment. There was a, a great. You could just say, "Man, he's been great," but no one. He didn't say that. I gotta, I gotta show you this one. I don't know if I sent it to you. No, oh yeah, I did. I texted it to you. I don't know if yeah, you saw yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, sure. So it said, uh, "McDermott, James, Co- James Cook has opened some eyes." And then the person comment underneath, "My wife." James Cook has opened my thighs. <laughs> Just like the stupidest comment. Uh, and then somebody commented, Marley Mack will make you open your mouth, which I have no idea why that's commented on there. But No, but that's why the internet's so great. <laughs> James Cook has opened my, my wife's thighs. Like, Just ridiculous comments there. Uh, but it does make me a little worried. Like if, if Moss gets like goal line work or – the reason Singletary became so valuable was because he got the touchdowns. He was like a 60 to 80% snap guy. I know Cook's going to be involved. I really like getting James Cook at his price too, If I, especially if I don't get Singletary. But Moss coming in would just put a wrench in everything. Uh, so I really hope this is just kind of speculation. Don't it doesn't end up coming it, into fruition. It could be really, really disgusting. All right, Eli Mitchell, we're worried about him uh, and the potential of him being in a running back by committee too. You know I like Eli Mitchell a lot, but I have been a little gun-shy recently with some of the news I've been hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The first report, Tyrion Davis-Price and Jeff Wilson could be involved early. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, quote-unquote, appears determined to deploy more of a backs by committee approach. There are legitimate concerns, like you mentioned, about his durability. And the last day, Trey Sermon was apparently running as the running back, too. So it would be one thing if you knew it was like Jeff Wilson's the two. All right, I'll go after him in case Mitchell goes down. He had about 13 different injuries, ribs and hands and hamstrings. And as much as I love the guy, he toughed out a lot of them, and he was a great back. I mean, 963 yards and five touchdowns in 11 games. That's no joke. The guy was a player for a round five pick. But he had a litany of injuries. It's just so unclear who's going to be the man behind him. Tyrion Davis-Price was drafted in the third round, but he's been unimpressive. Trey Sermon certainly sucked last year as a third-round pick. And Jeff Wilson is – how many times are we going to get fooled by Jeff motherfucking Wilson? So Every year. It's it's Shanahan. It's Shanahanigans. You know, like we always fucking get involved in this backfield because when it hits, it hits big. And Eli Mitchell hit big for you last year. To me, I'm just kind of avoiding it. Mitchell's kind of gotten bumped down as much as I like the player, as much as I like the scheme. I I don't want to deal with this this year. I feel the same way. a mess. I feel the same way. Uh, here's yeah. a guy I am really interested in, which, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of him as a, a player, but I just, the more I hear, the more I look at things, the more I crunch the numbers and hear people who I respect talk. Um, man, I'm, I'm kind of interested in Zeke. He seems like he's going a lot lower than he should be. Jerry Jones says he has to be the focus in the run game this season. I love that Jerry Jones always just pipes up and says something, shows up at press conferences. <laughs> so like, guy's like 94 years old, whatever. Just has to get his two cents in. Absolutely. He reminds uh, me of like Mr. Burns on the Simpsons. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good comparison for sure. Uh, McCarthy also calling him a keystone player, uh, saying he's completely healthy, clocking in at 22 miles per hour, hurling the, the highest weight around that he's ever done. So uh, best shape of his career season. I get that, but you love that with Zeke because we've seen him show up fat and that's always a concern. Yep. Uh, so he's taking it seriously. And yeah, we all love Tony Pollard. Like the guy is yeah, more efficient. I do. He's certainly, you know, if you were giving him Zeke volume, he would probably win your, your league. The one time he got it because Zeke was out, he put up 30 fantasy points. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy that has been a top 10 running back every single game of his career. Last year was the running back six on a partially torn PCL. And he's now going in round four. I mean, I just don't get that. He's seen 300 plus opportunities every single year of his career. Besides the one time he was suspended six games, again, was a top 10 running back that year. 
even though he missed six games and he still saw 280 opportunities in that. He's just a workhorse. He continues to go and go and go. And yeah, I get like the get out early before you get burned. But at a round four price, I just don't see the risk here. Like it's the number one offense in yardage and points last year. The line, they lost Leo Collins, but they drafted a first round tackle to try to replace him. If, as long as he's healthy, I mean, it's it's just a, a no brainer to me in round four. We, we've been loading up on him every best ball draft we do. Like, I yeah. love it. The only time I don't go him, I guess the only reason I've been a little bit taken back on him, there's nothing to do with Zeke. It's the fact that Allen Robinson's also there in round well, four. Well, and you probably took three running backs already. Exactly. But that's, uh, you know, I've become more flexible. I thought running back, running back, running back was the best strategy. And you listened to my show you know, yesterday with Barrett. So anybody listening probably heard this yesterday too. But my whole thing is I need three running backs in my first five. I don't necessarily need them to be the first five. I could go Cooper Cup and then running back, running back, running back. Or I also like David Montgomery falling to round five, who we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, There's just a – once that tear drops off, it's horrible. So I want to get three of those top 20 guys wherever they end up coming from. Uh, But Zeke being that round four one is very, very intriguing to me. And your Uh, option, he's probably going to go too cheap. I'm – I'm still, if I'm doing a snake, I'm going running back, running back. I I love Cup. I have thoughts on taking Cup as high as he's going on everybody's board. Which Would you we take won't. Christian McCaffrey? Like, who would you take? I would. You, you would? You're, so you're going back to CMC, huh? I don't want to, but I mean, if you, well, I mean, look, if you look at like auction value and stuff like that, you know, Cooper Cup's going like $58 or something like that. It's It's similar to like Josh Allen. It's like, you know, he's going for twice as much as the next guy yeah, or something like that. It's like, you know, when I, now I'm talking about Josh Allen, but it's like, is Josh Allen going to pass for 8,000 yards? No. (laughs) Is Josh Allen going to throw 65 touchdowns? No. It's like, it's a, it's a ridiculous pre, I would be awesome, but he's not going to, it's a ridiculous (laughs) premium. You know, when I'm talking like auction stuff, if Cooper cups going 58 and the next guy's going 44 and then you're dropping down there, it's like, I'm never going to own Cooper cup at that price. Yeah. Even as great as I think he is. Yeah. I would go CMC before we can do, and we should do a whole auction episode. I know our boy Seamus needs some, I would like to talk some, Um, but I, I definitely have the same philosophy that worked out really well last year where you get those early expensive running backs and then you attack the – you did it last year. You followed the game plan. It, it worked perfectly except that Calvin Ridley gambled. CMC and Chris Carson got hurt and uh, something else terrible happened. Yeah, well, you had Cooper Cup and T. Higgins, though. That's what I was getting at. That tier – And, and Matt Stafford, who I got for a buck. Yeah, this year it's that same idea. Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, Gabe Davis. Like that tier right. of receivers is going to be way too cheap. That's, you can get those three guys, two bell cows. Like it, it's a beautiful way to right. start. And uh, and. Because of that, I won't. We'll talk. I, I do want to talk about this. We'll do an auction, auction show, stuff yeah. like that. All right. Let's talk. Uh, David Montgomery's been playing some special teams. Should oh, yeah, we yeah. care? Yeah. There we go. Now Should we care? Go. And my answer is a resounding no. Even <laughs> if I'm interested in, I mean, I get Montgomery as a talent. I'm, I'm not owning any Montgomery this year unless something weird happens. Um, is the fact that he's appearing in special team stuff, does that move the needle for me at all? Not at all. Does it for you? Uh, no, but I actually like Montgomery. I, you know, I, like I feel a lot okay. of people are looking at this report and using this to pile on and confirm their priors. He volunteered. Like he was done with his reps and said, Hey coach, can I go out and kickoffs and like practice out there just for the hell of it? Cause I'm just not doing anything right now. So, and now everyone's like, Oh, he's on special teams. Like you got to look at the whole fucking report. It wasn't like the coach was like, you suck. We're taking you out of the starting lineup to put you on special teams. No, he, he asked to be out there. 
the more important reports to me are the ones. No, that no, that's how I took it. That's how I took it. I wasn't taking it as as he's been demoted to special teams. I'm a lot saying of people are. That's, that's <laughs> stupid. No, I didn't take it exactly. that way at all. And if you don't, I like took Mark it as Humphrey. like he's going to return a kick every now and then, and that doesn't do anything for me. I don't. And he's care. not going to. He, there's no way, unless this is going on preseason week three, and he's still out there, maybe. But to me, you know what I what I like the quote that nobody's talking about is. He told reporters, wherever they need me, I'm ready to go. That is the whole special teams thing. But the quote that I like is, we're going to stress these guys from the quote and and stretch their role. Can he run the full gamut of the passing game? Uh, What routes is he good at? How's the timing of that? Can he beat guys one-on-one? We think he has the skills to do that. So the sky's the limit. We don't put ceiling on these guys. We won't cap how much we're feeding you. Uh, That's the whole process of the whole football team. We encourage you to do everything you possibly can. So – Nobody's talking about his expanded potential receiving role that he's pretty good at. Scott Barrett yeah, talked about like he had the most targets down the stretch of last year, the most fantasy points uh, expectations per game, like third in fantasy points per game. I mean, he's running back eight and running back 15. He falls around five and he's going to probably get more work as a receiver than ever before. I, I mean, I like it. I, I like David Montgomery. Yeah, a lot. Those are all good points. Do you think the Bears could be the worst team in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Jets, Giants, and Jags—the the teams that you hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, the, I mean, I, I don't think the Bears are markedly better than any of those. No, teams. and I just think the Bears are going to be committed to the run. Like they're going to be bad, and the the bad parts of them are going to at least help Montgomery out. At least is my maybe. My I, I could see that narrative being correct. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm scared of anybody that's on a team yeah. like that. Um, when when there aren't other weapons. To, to take some of the heat off you all of a sudden I'm just like you know is David yeah. Mon- are, are they going to be are they going to be losing these games like 31 to 10 but Montgomery's rushing for 160 yards and a, a score I, I kind of don't think so we'll see Probably what happens not. yeah Mike Gesicki blocking more uh, we're in the we're in the part of the podcast now where we're talking about tight ends maybe blocking a little more yeah <laughs> very thrilling stuff but no <laughs> important is Gusecki's not a blocker he didn't come into the league as a blocker he's a great athlete like he played almost all his snaps in the slot and split out wide last year and now they're making him do something he's pretty ill-fitted for could this result in him actually being taken off the field really well could because they're not going to sacrifice Jalen Waddle or Tyree Kill's snaps and if he's not getting it done as a blocker it could get ugly for Mike Gusecki. So to me, it's just like I'm kind of fading Gusecki pretty hard at this point. As good as he was, he's been a top 12 tight end in back-to-back years. He is a good athlete. But if he doesn't get the blocking down well, and it doesn't sound like it's going overly well for him, it, I, there's just too many other tight ends like Gerald Everett with the Chargers or Hunter Henry, you know, the touchdown machine. Like there's just other guys in this range I'm going to be more drawn to. If I haven't, again, it's just another reason as well to go after uh, Dawson Knox, or even earlier, Dalton Schultz. Or I've been actually getting pretty into Kyle Pitts lately, even round three. Uh, we'll talk about him on a future episode, but like, I'm, I think I'm he could be a cheat that. code this year. I, I'm third ready third round? Him. I don't know, man. I think so. I think so. All right. Uh, well, here's a guy you've always kind of been a little bit intrigued by, Mo Alley Cox. Oh, uh, yeah. Locked in and then the tight end one role uh, in the wake of Jack Doc, uh, Jack Doyle, the Beanstalk's retirement. I hope, hope you're having a good offseason, Doyle. Um, anyway, you've always described Cox as like a kind of a freak athlete and you're thinking maybe he lands in here, uh, with Matt Ryan and we see something. Yeah. Matt Ryan has always liked his tight ends and Frank Reich has always loved throwing to his tight ends. I mean, yes, he's had Jack Ertz and Antonio Gates, but he gave Eric Ebron 110 fucking targets. So like there, there could be uh, some real value here. The concern with 
Mo Alley Cox so far this offseason was they drafted Jelani Woods, another athletic freak, maybe even more, probably definitely more athletic than Mo Alley Cox, but he's coming along slower than the team would like. He's looked lost at times. Kyle Granton, an athletic second year tight end, too many drops this spring, hasn't flashed much in camp so far. Mo Alley Cox is the only one getting any type of positive buzz, showing a good rapport with Matt Ryan, scoring a lot of touchdowns in red zone drills. Six foot four, 262, like a big beast that could catch a bunch of touchdowns in a scheme that likes the tight end with a quarterback that likes to throw to it. He's going undrafted mostly. So it's like a last round best ball stab if you have pretty weak tight ends. Yeah. I think I do prefer Kyle Rudolph still just because it's playing with Brady and sure. we know he's going to do well. But I'm really warming up to Mo Alley Cox and the next guy we're going to talk about. If the next guy on your list is Donald Parham, okay, yeah. he's having a great camp and he's a prominent piece of the offense for the Chargers. And kind of anybody that you think is going to be a prominent piece of the offense for the Chargers is at least worth kind of a double take, right? I mean, that's the whole argument. Exactly. And one, just I'm happy to see this because if you don't remember, he had a really bad injury where he got like carted off. There was concerns of like, is he going to be able to move his limbs and stuff? At one point last year, he, he ended up missing the rest of the year. But to see the guy back and playing football and like thriving is you love to see that when, when yeah, there's a scary injury like that. Um, so, so it's great to see. Um, he's six foot eight as well. He was a, the XFL legend. He won the he the MVP award, I believe, for the XFL. So you love that. He already was kind of a red zone monster uh, with with um, Justin Herbert. So another last round tight end that you could potentially take a stab at. The Chargers were ninth in tight end targets. Uh, they were twelfth in tar- TDs and uh, air yards with Brent, uh, you know, Jared Cook last year. He sucked. And the other thing to note too is maybe this dings. Gerald Everett, who I've been going all in on this year. I really like Gerald Everett. He is a good athlete, too. I'm not going to stop drafting him, but maybe you bump him down a spot or two if Parham's doing as well as he is. And maybe you take a stab on Parham late because he's certainly going to score a few touchdowns. And if he's part of the, the downfield par- passing attack, I mean, a six foot eight monster streaking down the field, that just gets you a little rowdy downstairs, doesn't it? Streaking down the field? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. A monster streaking down the field. (laughs) Hayden Hurst, most comfortable he's been on any of his five NFL teams. Of course, he's with the Bengals now. Now We have Hayden Hust written on the banner, but I know because I'm a huge football fan (laughs) that we're talking about Hayden Hurst, uh, new Bengals tight end. Um, Most comfortable he's been. The Wolf was doing a lot of banners. So, like, if there's a letter off here and there. 36 banners tonight. Right. And we've missed, like, two letters. Give us a break. We've talked (laughs) about Sloat receiving, and we've talked about Hayden Hust. Yes, exactly. Give us a break. Um, So, anyway, he's comfortable there. Uh, Big upside? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not sold on it, I have to admit. I mean, clearly he's going to be behind two monsters, T. Higgins and Mar Chase. Tyler Boyd going to be behind him as well. And then you got Joe Mixon or whatever running back if they're going to keep using fucking Samaj P. Samaj P. Run. Ugh, just the most misuse of talent out of that backfield of all time by not using Mixon in those situations. But at the end of the day, we saw C.J. Uzuma finish as the tight end one multiple times last year. In the playoffs, he got a little bit more involved. It's a team that's going to be in the red zone quite a bit, especially with a better line. I, this is what I like about Hurst is they're not going to need to use him in line like they did with C.J. Uzuma because they're not going to need the blocking help with how much they've revamped the line. So he will be like a big slot guy. I could see him going like four out wide with him out there and scoring a decent amount of touchdowns on this offense. So I, the, the breakout tight end metric, again, it, it's very often tied to the offense. It's a guy that's going to score a lot of touchdowns. And I wouldn't be shocked if Hurst is kind of like Kyle Rudolph, seven to eight touchdowns. So if I waited on tight end and if you don't get one of those top guys, I don't see any reason to go in the middle. Like 
either get one of the best guys. Schultz and, and Knox are kind of the cutoff for me. And then I'll take stabs at two or three of these guys in best ball. Hurst and, and Rudolph and Mo Alley Cox, my last three picks type of thing. And yeah. just one of them scores a touchdown every week would be great. That's kind of how yeah, I look. That would them. be great. All right. Now we're moving on to, is this the best shape of their career? Uh, ah, the classic. Element? Okay. Yes. Jack Lamar throwing better than ever, supposedly saying, I think it's the best I've seen him throw it thus far. And they're also talking specifically about like his long ball and stuff. And it's like, his problem has never really been his long ball. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I read, uh, you know, even though he annoys me, I, I read a math, Matthew Perry piece recently where he was comparing two players, quarterback a and quarterback B. And he was like lauding quarterback a and how great his stats are and everything, blah, 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 blah. And then quarterback B and how bad his stats are. And it's like, quick, which one do you want? And they were both Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, which, you know, even, I, I was like, yeah, all right, that's, that's an interesting angle because it's basically like, if you want to believe in Lamar, there's a lot of reason to believe in Lamar. And if yeah. you don't want to believe in Lamar, there's a shitload of data that suggests you shouldn't really believe in Lamar. So I'm glad he's throwing better than ever. <clears throat> I'm glad he's in good shape. I'm not all in on Lamar. Yeah, I, I'm sure we, we've been off of him all pod. We've even gone as far as calling him the most overrated quarterback in fantasy right now. He's and the guy. Yeah, he's the guy you're chasing the stats from a few years ago. It, 2019, the Cam Newton year that you, you've comped to. And I think it's a fair comp at that point. I do think he's a bit more of a freak than Cam yeah. Newton. But I mean, imagine I saying that in 2015 Cam when Cam Newton was doing his thing. Like, you know, uh, he's the quarterback nine and quarterback 10 in fantasy points per game the last couple of years. Just five top 12 performances. That was one more than Davis Mills in 12 starts. They both had 12 starts, and Davis Mills was one away from Lamar Jackson in top 12 performances. It, I mean, Jackson Barrett, who loves him and one of our smartest writers on the staff, did point out pretty well that he was the quarterback for, if you take away the injury games, uh, where he you know had zero points that are really bringing down his average. And that is fair. Uh, he includes the playoff games, though. And this, you start adding in these ifs and ifs, and you take that away, you take this away. And at the end of the day, maybe he's just been figured out at this point by the league. Maybe he's just not all that good. Maybe he does have the best arm he's ever had, and he returns to cheat code levels and shoves it up us and makes us look like complete absolute morons. That would be the first time. I mean, his ceiling is that big. To me, where he goes, though, he goes at like round four right now. I'll never draft him that early, like ever. You know, no, no, no. Five rounds later (laughs) and just be okay with the fact that my quarterback's not running. Like, yeah, Konami is cool, but – Last year, four of the top six quarterbacks, or I think five of the top six, weren't Konami guys. They were just standard. Just guys. You know, like part of me just kind of wants that nice, comfortable Matt Stafford's going to go throw 45 touchdowns and and I just can relax. Matt Ryan's (laughs) going to take a tire, you know. Matt Ryan and and a bowl of a big bowl of shredded wheat. (laughs) Exactly. Give me a bowl of shredded wheat. Like that's all. (laughs) That's all I need. Something to sustain me all year. Let me stay. Yeah, maybe I won't get that fifty-point blow up. But <laughs> for Matt Ryan, that was still the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, I'm talking. trying to remember the whole back. Michael Pittman. It was, it was <laughs> Matt Ryan can put it wherever he wants it. And it I, I remembered it was it was something about it was something about Matt Ryan, one of those old-fashioned big pillows of shredded wheat and a dick. Yeah, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was 100. It was him force feeding it to Michael Pittman because Pittman said he can put it wherever he wants it. So <laughs> and here I want an out hour of the and a half in. This is where we go off the rails, right. baby. <laughs> yeah, we're all a little tired. All right, uh, let's talk about Lenny. 
You love him. He's lean Lenny. He's back up to 240 pounds. He's the clear number one. <laughs> lean Lenny. 240 pounds. It's just funny to say, isn't it? Oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> lean, I just thought like that rolls off the tongue too, lean Lenny. Um, so no, I, I actually don't love Lenny. I've been lower on Lenny all offseason. Um, the reason being lower was because they, the passing, the running back coach talked about how he was adding <laughs> his routes, not where he was supposed to be. Uh, but then you know, the positive point everyone brings up when I when I bring that up is, well, it doesn't matter if Tom Brady wants him out there. And Tom Brady loves him. Tom Brady trusts him. He is Tom Brady's guy. And that's all that matters. They did go out and draft the best pass catching back that's coming in a long time, certainly of this class, maybe of the last few years. Rashad White, oh, I think is an absolute freak. And if something happens to Fournette, I could see Rashad White being that like David Johnson. Remember a couple years ago when he was a rookie, 2016, and just won people leagues down the stretch. Like that's the type of guy I think Rashad White is, that's how valuable this running back role is. When you're betting on Fournette, you're betting on the role. Like, yeah, he's been a solid, sturdy back his his whole career, but you're really betting on the uh, an 80% snap guy that he was last year, getting all the routes, getting all the targets. And again, maybe he will. You know, Scott Barrett kind of came on and gave me some insane stats last night that make me think I'm, I'm definitely too low on Lenny. His last four games last year averaged 30.3 points per game that's playoff Lenny but I mean he has that type of upside that's more than McCaffrey 29.5 across his uh that was McCaffrey's so you know he had more than him he had 25.3 his last six over his last 11 22.2 I mean all those were the most fans he really gained 35 pounds though so he was he lost that's not nothing 35 pounds is a lot no, I think he lost 35 was the thing. Like he was like 260 when he first showed up. He was and 35 was... pounds over 240. So no, <laughs> he yeah, he was like 260 when he first showed up to camp. So he's lost 20 pounds. He's lost 20, yeah. Um 260. Yeah. How tall is Lenny Fournette? I think he's like 6'1. He's he's a pretty big boy, but uh, you know, and that, I'm I'm Mark... six one, and if I was 260 pounds, like I mean, I'm 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 out of shape and fat. And if I was, you know, I'm, I'm way, way, way below 260. I don't know how, how tall he is. That's a good question. If anyone in the chat wants to look it up and tell us uh, how tall he is. But, I mean, yeah, he came in huge. 260 is a monster. He did lose. He, he typically plays around 240. That's what he came in the league at. And he's he's back down. He's, he came to camp at 245. And he's lost another five since starting. So like, It says he's six feet and, tall. It says he's yeah. six feet. That probably means he's like 5'11". Yeah, <laughs> it's beast. Uh, so, so he's back so down. Five eleven, two sixty. What, what I do like about Lenny as well is like he came. He, he openly was like, "Man, I go home and my mom's cooking is just so damn good." And yeah, like, I feel the that. food is so great where he's from and the Louisiana cooking. Like, I get it. Like he's he's kind of like all of us when we go home and just get big over the holidays. Like that's what he does. And then he knows how except to- the holidays was like several months, seven months for him. Yeah. <laughs> but he does. It, it isn't the first time it's happened. So to me, I was fading him for all the, the, the fat and for the, the concerns over his receiving work. And a lot of people that are smarter than me are pointing out that those concerns might not be valid. So I've kind of gone back in on Lenny at the end of second, like the role is just so valuable, especially if you can handcuff him with Rashad white, if this does end up, uh, he gets hurt or anything of that nature. Um, it's just such a great role. I guess the one concern is they already lost their center. And if they don't sign JC Treader, their line is going to be really bad in the, uh, in the interior, which could be tough for Lenny uh, running. But I, I just like that. I, I wanted to express, because I've talked so much about how much I hate Leonard from that on the show throughout the offseason. The fact that he lost the weight, the fact that Brady's still vouching for his guy, like how can I not vouch for him if Brady is, you know? So unless Rashad White really starts to impress in camp, 
I'm back on the Lenny Fournette. Sure. Big train. Big train Lenny. Big or small or or like Jumbo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Last but not least, Traylon Burks looking much better. All right. Yeah. Titans receiving court. Robert Woods as well, 100% healthy, not even playing with a brace. The reason why it matters, no team has given uh, more vacated targets, 351. Share of targets, 67%. Air yards, 2,914. Air yard share, 75% of their air yards. Like, that's, that is fucking crazy. We talked about the lines a lot last year, and we saw Amon Ross St. Brown eventually step up and eat those. Like, that, that was, I think, 69%. 75% of their air yards are up for grabs. And then inside the 10 targets, 22. Uh, also, all those categories. So every meaningful vacated air opportunity metric is going to the Titans right now. Uh, and so it's going to be somebody steps up. Maybe it's both of them because there's certainly enough available volume. I don't think Tannehill's great, but we've seen him sustain some yeah. pretty good receivers here. We know it's the Henry show, but I, I like both these guys where they're going after pick a hundred in drafts right now. Like I, I think Woods is the safer bet. I think he's just going to be sturdy, steady, six to eight catches every week. Whereas Burks is the guy that like at, when he gets like the worry with him was he didn't show up in shape. He was having asthma quote unquote, and just, Kind of sucked in, in the mini camp, but everything says that he went home like kind of like Lenny. He went, he just dedicated himself. He came back as a different man, and every single day, contested grab, red zone drills, he's winning. Like he's the highlight reel of camp right now, and that's what you want to see out of a Traylon Burks who was comp to a linebacker-sized Debo Samuel coming in, and he wrestles hogs for fun. Like that's how he gets in shape is wrestling hogs. I mean, how can you not love that? <laughs> I do love that. I admit it. <laughs> okay. So I knew that if anything was going to sell you on Traylon Burks, it'd be the yeah, rest. That was of the, the first. That was the you know that was the first thing you said on these Titans receivers that got my attention. <laughs> I was like, go on. Yeah. Uh, Tell me more about the hog. How big was it? All right, fifty <laughs> pounds. It was Leonard Fournette. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Let's like, some comments real quick. David says, "Fantasy football is back. The boys are back in town. Happy to see the wolf feeling better, and the truth is ready." A new addition to the Wolfpack came here at the end of July. Boys, be prepared for her to smoke our asses in a few years. Congratulations, dude. Congratulations, Campanelli. We love to see the Wolfpack grow. Yeah, Mahmoud, what's up, fellas? Good to see you guys. I saw he was he was uh, watching your Barrett podcast the other day, too. So he's, Hell yeah, he's a, he's a loyal fan. We always love seeing you, Mahmoud. Good yeah. to see you, too. Toon said this will not be a happy ending <laughs> for Watson. Um, yes and no, Toons, because obviously wonderful double entendre there, but He's going to walk away with hundreds of millions of dollars. He's so there, bet, like 256. I'll, what, right, right. I'll bet. I think it's ever been handed out. In, in ultimately, I'll, I'll bet it's at least a fairly happy ending for him. How How is the first ever fully guaranteed NFL contract to a guy that has 26 like allegations against him? How, it, how does the franchise do that? It It is Brown. would seem an unlikely decision to me. Browns being Browns, baby. Just the Browns being the Browns. Like, let's not forget they are still the Browns. Uh, David says, Wolf and Truth say no Watson, no Browns. Take that to the bank. Yes, sir. Yep, that's uh, that's exactly the, the great way to summarize it all for us. Thank you. David says, where would you grab Kamara's backup in the draft? Mark Ingram, I mean, I, I'll draft him where he goes, last round. Like, I, I don't yeah. need to draft him any earlier. Maybe if you really want to make sure you get him the second and last round, but that's where he goes. Like, I, honestly, I, I haven't, like, forced the Ingram issue. I, I haven't made sure I get Ingram because I really don't think he gets suspended. I don't want to blow a roster spot on a handcuff I don't need, but – if you'd like to play it safe, you, you certainly can if you you know you have the roster spot for them. Daniel says, what's up, gentlemen? Always a great show. You can only keep two. Which two, Dak, Hurts, or Lance? I would probably keep – I mean, it's tough to toss Lance back in there because you've been waiting for him now, and he does still have that cheat code upside. We never got to see it last year, but this is his team now. 
that being said, I have Hertz and Dak rated ahead of him. Um, I mean, I love all three this year. I really do. I, there's a, a tier of like 14 quarterbacks. Like there's all the quarterbacks in the top 14. I really like them all. I just want to make sure I have two of those guys and you, you're going to guarantee it. I, I would probably keep Dak and Hertz, Me but too. yeah, you would too. Truth. Okay. Yeah. It's so same, tough same, to let that sex appeal of Lance go, but same logic. It would just, yeah. Uh, but like, I feel like, I mean, I feel like Hertz is clearly the top guy, uh, but I, I would take Hertz and Dak. Yeah. Uh, Tune says, you got to love Sloats. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, Tunes. <laughs> Uh And then he told us about the severe weather. Yeah. Nick said, said, Juan Dale, I was the guy who tweeted you that I snagged him at 3.01 in my rookie draft. Love it. I, I, I remember you tweeting at me, man. I think you got yourself a great pick. I was pissed. I really wanted him in round three of ours. He went the pick before me. Um, huge fan of Wandale. I mean, the playmakers already making plays. And, so and, and MVP of the Giants camp. MVP of Giants camp, baby. Daniel says, after last night's episode, do you view Hunt as the better option to have over Chubb in Cleveland? Yeah. That might be one, pushing it a little bit. But. Yeah. Like, at their prices, sure, because I don't want either, so I'll take the cheaper guy. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, gun to my head if I'm taking one to outscore the other. It's still Chubb. I mean, he's a generational player. Maybe they just make the offense, like, the Nick Chubb show. That's a possibility when you have Jacoby Brissett at QB. If they trade for Garoppolo, I'll completely st- – the Browns are just the roller coaster of the fucking offseason. Like, I won't change my stance on Donovan Peoples-Jones without Watson. I don't want him and Jimmy Garoppolo, but I will sure as hell take Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and, and you know, the dink and dunk Amari Cooper. Like, give me that all day if, if Jimmy yeah, Remember Garoppolo how excited you were briefly about the Browns? It's and I still will be. If Deshaun Watson's playing ten games, I will be all in on them again. But I don't think he's I, I don't think he's playing it down this year. It's Goodell's going to get what he wants. Tune says, "My boy Ayuk, let's fucking go." Scary stories, and stories. <laughs> yeah, ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. I, I'm picturing like one of them with like a flashlight under his. Head, like. <laughs> I love it. I love Gary it. W says, "Boom, there they are." What's up, boys? What's up, Gary? <laughs> Milk dud. You want to hear a real scary one? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Gary, what's going on? Great to see you. Face 55. I was trying to move Ayuk because I wasn't real confident with him. Now I'm glad nobody bit. Yeah, you can thank us for that I, if, if we're right. If you were telling me that, like maybe even just a week ago, I'd I would say move him. As move him. And, uh, you know, the, the star of camp and some more's narrative. How can That's you not before we knew about it. Uh, Toon says Stevenson was working with Mac Jones all offseason for that uh, passing down role. But w- was he living with him? <laughs> was he making some more's? Were they telling ghost stories by a fire? Is he his milk dud? Right. <laughs> These are the crucial questions. All questions that need to be answered before we know <laughs> if we should give a shit. Yo, soy Tony. Fellas, football's hey, hey. back, baby. Yeah. I love seeing all the regulars start to – it's when all the demons trickling in. crawl out of the closets and say hello because football's back. I don't know why I'm calling you guys demons, like wolves, you know. It's a much better thing than demons. But it's just, that's always a picture of the fantasy season. It's like all the people that you haven't heard from in years just kind of sliding out of their little like slithering under their bed like coming out and just saying hello again i don't know why it's i think of it the the word i think of you're talking about sliding so i always think of the word oozing yeah they just, oozing, kind, of, they yeah. just kind of ooze back towards <laughs> us coming oh hello <laughs> right right there's like dripping down the wall oh, uh, now you feel like listening to the passing rate of you know todd mcveigh for the it's sean right. mcveigh for the last 10 years Tune says, "Will Gerald Everett nibble too much of Parham's cheese?" I'd say that's certainly a. I'd say it's almost question. Like Everett's the preferred guy. Parham's going to be the one that's <laughs> kind of constantly taking the touchdowns. You're like motherfucker, you know, Everett will have the sixty catch, you know, sixty right. yard could make, catch day, and then it could make a downside to both of them. Um, yeah, the fact I think it, it, I got to readjust with Everett because Parham really is a touchdown machine. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes me nervous. And Toons says, is Watson taking the Browns to the Super Bowl? Not this year, Toons. No. No way. No. And I, don't think, I don't think ever, but. No, I don't think ever either. Gary W., finally I got my home league draft scheduled. I was ready to draft in May. August 17th, I draft my, the champions. Pulling well, for you, man. Gary, I'll have the guide out for you tomorrow. Or not tomorrow. Uh, August 8th, Monday is my I'm, I'm really going to push through this weekend. I can't really go anywhere anyways. I have COVID, so, you know, it is what it is. But I, I, I'm i I'm almost done anyways. I'm going to really power through. I had to plan yesterday's show and today's show. I have no shows till Monday with Harditz. I can't wait for that. Um, but I'm really going to make those weekend days. Just going to kind of write, write, write till it's done. Uh, so I want to make sure you have that for your, your guide for the, uh, the draft. Hell yeah. Is that everybody? Right. Yeah. All right. I told my wife it was going to be an hour. Closer, oh. <laughs> closer to two. The Super Bowl was supposed to be a joke about taking a dump. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it. Oh, Thanks you told me an hour. Told of course, that's all. I, yeah, I told her it was an hour because you told me it was an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we'd be faster than usual. Whoever thought I'd say that, huh? I know. Never seriously. been wrong there. <laughs> right. Sorry to keep you, and, and I'm sorry about that. It's uh, right. Go enjoy the Mario Kart. Thanks again, Truth. Always yeah, new tracks game. out today for all you Mario Kart fans. Hell yeah. Uh, but thank you, Truth. Thank you, fans, for being here. RotoStreetJournal.com is where we breed and feed you wolves. You can find my big board with all the movement from these notes we talked about at RotoStreetJournal.com slash big board slash stock watch. We'll get you all these news blurbs. We have some great new writers just crushing it for us. And, of course, your familiar faces are doing so as well. Uh, the content's been really hot lately on the site, so go check it out. We've got some real new workhorses that are just cheering out great stuff. Um, and my draft guide, projections, all that good stuff. Next week, they will be launched. I'll go live to tell you guys all about it. We'll look at it together, all that good stuff as well. All righty. In a world full of fancy sheep, guys, be the wolf. Later. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.